0: It's 29 degrees now at DVEM Val Porter. Fire officials are still investigating the cause of Saturday's fire at Trump Tower that left a man dead and four firefighters injured. The blaze claimed the life of 67-year-old Todd Brassner, an art dealer and friend of the late artist Andy Warhol. Officials say the apartment did not have sprinklers in it. They were not required when it was first built. In 1999, Donald Trump was part of a group of real estate developers that fought against the retrofitting of sprinklers in existing New York City buildings saying it was too expensive and unnecessary. Officials say road crews spent a second night removing debris from the collapsed portions of Route 30 in East Pittsburgh on Sunday. A spokesperson for the Allegheny County Department of Emergency Services says the area had seen 10 inches of precipitation since mid-February, which also was the wettest February in Allegheny County on record. PennDOT officials say they should have a better understanding of what needs to be done to fix Route 30 and when it can happen by the end of this week.
1: Did you see the aerial footage of that?
0: Yeah, it's crazy. I've
1: never seen anything like that. I mean, when? How? how long is it going to take to fix that?
0: Months, they said. Months? Yep. A new study reveals that kids from wealthier homes feel like they have more control over their lives. Big surprise. Uh, Growing up with a sense of control gives kids from high-income homes more confidence when it comes to academics, careers, and even their health. The research from Portland State University found that kids growing up in high-income homes benefited from parents who discussed school more often, had access to more books and other resources, got higher grades, were more likely to attend a private school, had friends who were academically oriented, and they felt safer in school. Well, I guess it's not something you really think about when you go to the zoo, but what do they do with all that poop? The Detroit Zoo will be handing out buckets of animal poop for free to 1,000 visitors at its upcoming Green Fest, an annual celebration for Earth Day. A five-gallon bucket of what's being dubbed Detroit Zoo poo is actually a nutrient-rich compost processed at the zoo's anaerobic digester. Each year, the processor converts tons of animal waste into gas that helps power the zoo's animal hospital, and the fertilizer is a byproduct of that process. That event will take place this Saturday. The new horror film, A Quiet Place, the big winner at the box office this weekend. The movie stars Emily Blunt and her husband, John Krasinski, who also wrote and directed the movie. A Quiet Place brought in $50 million in its first weekend in theaters in the U.S. and Canada. Last week's number one picture, Ready Player One, placed second over the last few days with box office receipts totaling $25 million. Blockers, Black Panther, and I Can Only Imagine round out the weekend's top five. Anne Wilson of Heart is set to film a live performance for her first-ever solo TV special. Cameras will roll at Wilson's April 11th concert in St. Charles, Illinois, for an upcoming special, for which additional details should be announced soon. Meanwhile, Wilson's solo album, Immortal, is slated for a summer release and will feature the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame singer paying tribute to some of the great musicians we've lost in the past few years. And also, Anne with Jeff Beck and Paul Rogers will kick off their Stars Align tour on July 18th in West Valley, Utah. That'll last 21 dates. And the other heart sister is busy, too. Flash will be joined by Nancy Wilson at his annual gig to benefit the L.A. Zoo. Wilson, her roadcase case royale bandmate Liv Warfield, and pedal steel master Robert Randolph will all play the beastly ball May 19th at the zoo. This year's event will honor animal expert Jack Hanna. In addition to the music, the event promises an after-hours stroll through the zoo with special animal experiences, including animal feeders, uh, feeding Uh, keeper chats, and up-close interactions. Will there
1: be poo gift baskets to take Uh, home? They
0: should do that, yeah. Police are investigating after a rock signed by Yoko Ono was stolen from her current exhibition at a Toronto museum. The piece is valued at about $17,500 and was stolen last month at the Gardiner Museum. The item, which bears the words Love Yourself, is part of Ono's interactive exhibit titled Yoko Ono the Riverbed. According to police, the suspect is a woman seen on security footage picking up the rock and putting it in her purse. (laughs) Cloudy and cold snow and Rain, 40 degrees for the high today. It's uh, The never-ending winter continues. It's 29 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter with Bill Crawford. Mike Pursuta has sports coming up at the bottom of the hour. Randy is off today. Penguins, uh, the schedule is set for the first round against the Flyers, so Mike has more details on that. And a nice game for Jameson Tyone and the Pirates yesterday. It's all coming up in sports. And uh, we're going to hear from Jim Brewer again. Uh, for those of uh, you who didn't hear it, Mm-hmm. Great interview with him. He's like the opening party for the Metallica show, October 18th at PPG Paints Arena.
1: It's a perfect description. He's not He's not opening. He's opening a party. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like a big festival kind of thing. So mm-hmm. a lot of cool stuff going on that. With that, you'll hear details on that with Jim Brewer. That's coming up. It's the DVE Morning Show.
1: Jim.
2: Hey, man. What's up?
1: What's going on, man? What's up, Brewer?
3: How's it going? Billy? Where's Billy?
1: I'm right here, man. How's it going, dude?
3: Good. Yourself? What's going on, you animal? (laughs)
1: Hey, man, if I was doing any better, I'd be you, singing on stage with Billy Joel. Jesus. How crazy was that? Oh, dude. How crazy was that? So, first of
2: all, he introduces you to the Madison Square Garden crowd. I'm like, you have to be backstage at that point, or wherever you're standing. The butterfly's got to be not that you haven't played big rooms uh, or played, you know, gone out with huge bands before and done stuff like that. But that's Billy Joel in Madison Square Garden. That's as hometown of a show as you can get. <laughs> right. And for a kid like, you know, for a guy like you, like thinking about that when you were a kid, rolling out there in Madison Square Garden, that had to be as thrilling as it gets non-comedy for you.
3: I'm not going to lie to you. The lead up was pretty intense with me. <laughs> first of all, it was not planned. It, I, I brought my daughter to see Billy Joel for her 16th birthday because that's what she wanted. So we go there, and my agent was there, and he goes, do you want to meet Billy? Well, oh, my God. Yeah, that yeah, sure. Yeah, so I go my wife and my daughter. We go meet Billy Joel. And he goes, hey, you know, hello, blah, 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 small talk. He goes, I heard you can do ACDC. And, you know, I... I said, "Yeah, I could imitate him. You know, I, I, I had to imitate the guy, But I some of And he goes, "He goes, you want to do him tonight?" And I, I froze. <laughs> I, I, I went, "Uh, well, I I don't I don't know if I I know all the lyrics." And he goes, "Um, you know what, man? Come back another time. We'll do a sound check. and We'll do the whole thing oh, any day you want." I'm like, "Oh, great, great, okay, yeah." Awesome. So we finish up. Life is good. Now I go into a, a green room, and I'm hanging, and then the guitarist came up to me, this guy, Tommy Burns, who I knew from Long Island. And he goes, Brewer, you want to go up to ACDC tonight or what? So listen, Tommy, I, I talked to Billy. He said he wants to. He, said, no, he doesn't. He's fine. Do you want to do it tonight? I said, I, I don't know if I know all the lyrics. He goes, we have monitors. You'll be fine. If you get lost, you look down. There's monitors all over the place. We'll have some of the lyrics. He goes, "Do it tonight." I went, "All right, I'll I'll do it tonight." Nice. Oh my. And that and that was it. And then now for the first hour, I'm like, "Oh my god, Heart's what did I do? Pounded. What did I do? <laughs> I, I, did, I, I didn't rehearse this. What what if I? Oh my, this could have it could have been a disaster. And right before I walked up. You know, I'm looking at him, he's finishing New York State of Mind, and he goes, now the reason I brought my daughter, because it's the 50th anniversary, and I don't know who's showing up, I'm thinking somebody's showing up, and he goes, so I have a guest, and the crowd, get your phone out, it's McCartney, it's got to be, it's got to (laughs) be Elton John or something, I knew this was going to happen, and I went, oh my God, I'd even think about this part of it. And I, and and he did set me up for failure, which was really smart on his behalf. He goes, "Now this song is—he's not known as a singer." And then we're like, well, "What? it?" He goes, um, "This is a really hard song to sing. It's a really hard song to sing." And then he goes, "He goes, you know, Jim Brewer, go boy." He goes, "Let's see if he can pull it off." And I gotta admit. <laughs> The minute I walked out and I just heard the song, I I was possessed. There Adrenaline. Was no, there was nothing gonna stop me from killing it. It just it just it was gonna happen. And the, and the minute I heard my voice, because I was another. I don't know if I can hear the band, if I can hear myself. These guys have earplugs. They're it, I. I I don't know how this is gonna sound like the minute that first She was a first. I went, Oh, this is gonna go good. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna go good.
4: <laughs>
3: there was a moment where I almost went, when it was over, I almost went, You guys wanna do one more? <laughs> one
1: more?
4: <laughs> you guys know dirty beans, let's do this!
1: We we listened to the clip, Jim, and yeah. it was it was so damn good. It but it was like to me. it it reminded me of you you were up on the wave but it was like the wave at the end of point break where if you (laughs) like if you fall like you're not you're not coming back
3: (laughs) 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 Yeah really the best part the best part was two days later my daughter who I brought that goes Dad I'm not gonna lie to you I was freaking out and I went, Yeah, I know, it's freaking out She goes, No. If that went bad School is not going to be fun the next day. You oh. know what? I said, I didn't like, even think of that. I didn't even think of school. The <laughs> kids in school going, I saw your father last night. Nice video. <laughs> wow, that was it Why was. Why would he do that? <laughs> awesome
2: performance, though. It, it, yeah, it really you was. had to be, uh, did you, when Billy let you off the hook, so to speak, and he's like, you know what? Come back another time and we'll check and do it. Yes. We'll do it that time. Yes. Did, at that point, did you feel like, oh. I should have just said yes. I should. Have. A little
3: bit of both. A little bit of both. Part of me was extremely relieved. Because I, it would be nice to have a sound check. And then part of me went, I just blew it. This is never going to happen again. The next one's going to be like, yeah, no, Elton John's coming tonight. Oh,
4: uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah.
3: No, this guy's showing up. Yeah, it's all good. But, you know. I say I'm the Forrest Gump of comedy because to go from that and now touring with Metallica, like, what's going on
2: with them? Jim Brewer, touring with Metallica. They're coming to Pittsburgh on October 18th, and uh, tickets are on sale right now. That is amazing. So you're going to be playing our version of Madison Square Garden, the PPG Mm -hmm. Paints Arena, which is only uh, a couple thousand seats less than uh, MSG. But you've been friends with with Metallica for, what, 20 years? Yeah. Yeah.
3: Now let me let me explain to everyone who hasn't gotten their ticket yet why this is going to be sick. I'm not I'm not doing people think I'm opening. I'm not opening. I'm not doing stand up comedy. I'm not doing music. It's it's a whole pre-party show. They're calling it the lighted up pre-party show where I'm going to host. So I'm creating events. You know cause when you can see Metallica I mean, no offense to Volbeat. I went to go see Volbeat and Avenge Sevenfold. I don't want to see them. I, no one cares about the opening band for U2 or the Stones or Metallica. They're at that stage. Nobody, I don't care who's opening. I
4: don't yeah. want to see
3: them. I don't want to see them. <laughs> I want to get to Metallica. And then when there's a band, then, you, then they got to break it down in you another know, 20 minutes, 40. This is an event. From the minute you walk in, I'm gonna have a vent from the minute you walk in that arena, you're gonna go, What is going on tonight? And every hopefully every fifteen minutes, I'm gonna I'm gonna be having a new event and it's gonna give you the opportunity to I'm gonna walk you close to the stage. I'm gonna oh, you're in section nosebleeds. You got five minutes to answer these questions or challenge the guy across the arena from you, and if you win it then I'm gonna walk you down to meet Lars right now, and the video's gonna follow us. I'm like, oh god, I want to have, I still gotta create a couple more events, but this is, I want to go barbaric too. I want to have, <laughs> I want to have a moment where they have karaoke, die yes. or rise karaoke. So I like you get that. five, right? You get five guys, girls, whoever that think they can pull off one minute, one minute of karaoke. And I'll hold the crowd off. Like, you can't boo or throw anything in <laughs> one minute.
4: No booing or throwing. Okay?
3: If you throw I kick you out. If you boo, you're out. Re- so after one minute, the whole crowd chants either die or rise. You rise, you go the next round. Uh, I like you it. Win. You finally win. Well, now you get to sit in the pit. You were sitting way up there, but now you get to meet someone and that's what all this awesome. is going to be
2: that's going to be so fun you should have a headbang off so they count how <laughs> many am. how many headbangs in a minute
3: i am dude that's we i swear to god one of the events is like we're going to play a riff and i want to see how but it's, and then now we're like uh oh what if what if we have a problem with insurance someone's right.
1: cervical <laughs> spine snaps <laughs> yeah you know what i mean <laughs> you gotta dolly them out of the arena <laughs> Well, you get a wheel You get the handicap section for the for the show.
3: That's right. That's right. And I may. I may. If you are, if you are handicapped, we're gonna have a wheelchair mosh pit. <laughs> <laughs> ah,
2: there
3: you go. It's like murder so ball. All, yeah. And but I, I, that is gonna be part of the whole lighted up pre party.
2: Oh, this event. sounds awesome. Yeah, that sounds really. Cool. It's it a is. it's a Thursday it night. It's a great yeah. a great uh, reason to call off sick Friday. Uh, Jim Brewer doing the pre-party for the Metallica World Wired Tour. Uh, yeah. It's uh, October 18th at PPG Paints Arena. Get your, get your tickets now. Dude, that's awesome. So you're, yeah. it's just basically a Jim Brewer party with uh, 17,000, yeah. 18,000 people.
3: Exactly. And you're going to have a chance to win tickets. You're going to have a chance, not win tickets. You have to buy the tickets. Yeah. You're going to get a chance to get next to the stage. Perhaps meet a guy. Perhaps even walk you backstage. It's all up to the event. Tremendous. How big the event is and stuff like that.
4: Well,
3: what was cool that?
2: On a side note, are you going to yeah. be? Uh, are you going to continue to be playing music? Are you going to put out another album?
3: I am going to put another album. It's going to be a lot more comedy based because people clearly were confused by the last one. Uh, really? <laughs> well, you know, what? it wasn't put out there right. I really I needed the money for videos and. Um, I haven't given up. There's about three songs I want to write really funny uh, short movies for, and that's the way it has to be presented. That's the way I want it presented, but at the time, uh, the people surrounding me didn't get it. So it's not dead. It's not dead.
2: Well, I hope now you have a real gift for it. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, beyond you know, Eddie Murphy did like party all the time, but yours was had a lot more authenticity than something like that, you know, but it's tough. Comedians get screwed. Like an actor can do 10 different things, but a comic can only be funny or everyone's like, what's he doing? Exactly.
3: And that's (laughs) fine. That's fine. It is what it is. I ain't worried about it. And um, in, in due time, we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll come around on tour a night before uh, yeah. Metallica shows or after that.
2: Dude. Oh, that would be awesome. Yeah, that would be great. If you did yeah, club yeah. shows with a band, I, oh, dude, that would be great. So
3: I'm working on it all, but in the meantime, let's work on these Metallica. They'll all be sold out, and and it's almost all sold out, so don't be a dummy that waits and that's sold out. And yeah. goes, now I'm going to buy it on Stump Pump and pay <laughs> quadruple the money. <laughs>
4: Just get in there,
3: get in there. I may find you, and I may bring you up closer. You never know. That's that's the event. So
2: well, I, mean, I appreciate you having me. No there. doubt. Thanks, Jim. No, for, you know, for no other reason. If you were thinking about whether or not you should go to this show, this pre-party is oh, is huh. pushing you over the edge. I mean, what yeah, what a great questions.
3: idea! Yes, yes. Trust me, we're going to revolutionize opening concerts. I Trust like it. On that one. All
2: right. Well, we'll Thanks. see you in October, man. Take care, Jim. Yeah. Congrats, Jim. Take care, guys. All right, we'll Thanks, see, you, man.
3: Bill. Bye See bye. you, man. Later on. DVE Sports.
5: I'm Mike 4 for DVE Sports, brought to you this hour by Xfinity from Comcast. The Penguins' playoff schedule has been finalized. Uh, we've known that it was going to be the Penguins and the Flyers, but what we didn't know until last night and the conclusion of the Boston-Florida game was uh, the exact dates uh, that's now been finalized. The Panthers beat the Bruins. Bit of an upset to close out the NHL's regular season, so 10- selfishly
1: I was kind of rooting for that because I have a show on Saturday night and I didn't want to <laughs> go up against the Penguins. Well, hey, you know that's uh, that's
5: a big deal, and uh, I kind of like the way it played out because uh, two of the three home games in the first five games will be on Friday nights. Yep, which means. We get to sleep in the next day. Beautiful. you got to like that, right? Love it. Uh, It's going to start Wednesday night, 7 o'clock at the PPG Paints Arena. Game 1. Game 2 is Friday the 13th. The series shifts to Philadelphia. Sunday afternoon, a 3 o'clock start at the Wells Fargo Arena. And then Wednesday, April 18th is your scheduled Game 4 at 7 o'clock. Game 5, if necessary, would be Friday back here in Pittsburgh. Time to be determined. Game six, if necessary, Sunday, April 22nd in Philly. Time to be determined. And game seven, if necessary, Tuesday, April the 24th at PPG. Time to be determined. Val, I got one word for you. Relax. Okay. Penguins went 4-0 against the Flyers in the regular season. Penguins scored five goals in every game against the Flyers. Philadelphia's (laughs) got to be going into this series thinking... We got to play the back-to-back Stanley Cup champs. We didn't beat them all year, and they put five in our net in every game.
0: And they didn't even know they were going to be in the playoffs until they won on Saturday.
5: Right? They needed all the games to get in. Yeah. It's. <laughs> huh. uh, yeah, hey, nothing's guaranteed in in life or sports. But.
0: But you know how superstitious I am in the playoffs. I
5: do. That's. So I'm just trying to tell you, relax. This is not <laughs> the round. Uh,
0: to be concerned about. To
5: be concerned, I would not. I I think this is a great matchup for the Pens. I think it's their best. Possible first round matchup. I agree. Didn't really play well against the Devils all year. Not that that means you can't beat them in the postseason, but that was concerning. I don't know. Maybe concerning is too strong a word. Annoying. uh, Head scratching. The the, the relative lack of success against New Jersey. Columbus is a pain in the ass to play against.
1: I didn't love that matchup in the first round. Yeah.
5: Um, So, not having to deal with that. No problems there. Uh, Show up, do what you do, and beat the Flyers. That uh, the Eagles aren't playing. <laughs> no is right. not playing. It's the Flyers and the Pens. And uh, at this point, uh, Mike Sullivan is prepared to take his chances with his team in the postseason. Hey, after back-to-back Stanley Cup championships, why wouldn't he?
6: They're a fun group to coach. You know, they're they're competitive guys. They want to win. I think they have. We have great leadership in our room um i think they they play their best when the stakes are high and uh you know this this has this has been a challenging year for us in a lot of different ways you know and uh but what i love about our group is when when the stakes get high we play at our best and and our and i think it i think that's an indication of the leadership that we have in the room um you know the fact that we solidified home ice advantage—that was a—that was a goal we set out to do going into this game tonight. We felt as though it was important for us, uh, and we think it puts us in the best possible position moving forward. Now we've got to go out and try to earn our way from here, but but certainly we're we're proud of this hockey team. We we think we've got a terrific group of players. They're certainly great people, and they're uh, they're a lot of fun to coach.
5: Yeah, and I guess if you were the coach of a team that helped you win eight consecutive postseason series over a two-year period. You'd probably have a lot of fun coaching that kind of team, <laughs> would you not? And uh, Mike Sullivan certainly enjoys coaching these guys. Sydney uh, Crosby, like his head coach, thinks the Penguins are ready for what is at hand. Uh, in Crosby's estimation, the relative slow start and then strong finish to this season has prepared the Penguins for the postseason.
1: I think down the stretch we had to play in some big games, so I think that's you know that mentality and, and games like that. Um, I think prepare you for the playoffs. So yeah, I think we we did a good job, won some close games, and got some important points. So want to carry that momentum into the playoffs. Yeah,
5: it's not uh, an, an overwhelming uh, matchup in favor of the Penguins on paper. Uh, I mentioned they beat the Flyers four times. Uh, a couple of those uh, featured uh, the Flyers getting uh, the ever popular losers' point. And a couple of those featured the Penguins winning in overtime. Now the three on three stuff goes away. Uh part of the Penguins' success, particularly in the second half of the year, was they just dominated in that three on three format mm-hmm. with uh, with their star power and the way they kind of figured it out how to play, keep possession of the puck and wait till you get an overwhelming chance. So uh no guarantee, certainly, but uh five four, five to one, five to two, and five to four. And that uh, five one game was on January the second in Philly that was the one that got the penguins started uh we talked so much about how how well they did after january the first that that january the second game in philly was the first game of the new year and kind of the first game of the penguins uh resurrection if you will and uh they know they know who they are by now they know what they have to do to be successful and what they can't do if they want to be successful they uh Saw a lot of that uh, since January in general and uh, Friday night in the regular season finale against Ottawa in particular.
6: The, the, the identity of this team is, I think, is about playing with speed, playing with pace, and, uh, and, and trying to play that north-south speed game where we, we challenge our opponents with uh, either our puck possession in our, in our speed or our pursuit and sometimes our best defense takes place up the ice you know with our with our just our our pursuit with our, on on our opponents in the offensive zone in the neutral zone trying to force turnovers and then we can create a lot of offense off of it so one of the things that I that I've talked with this this team about a lot is just having the ability to create offense different ways but we still have to I, I think we still have to have and awareness away from the puck, so that we keep the puck out of our net. And uh, and part of that is just staying on the right side of people, uh, making sure hope doesn't become a strategy in, in this in, in our uh, in our game plan. Uh, and and I thought you know when there are 50 50 puck battles in the critical areas in the rink, you know for most of the night we got on the right side of those, so we didn't we didn't give up the. You know, the high quality odd man rush, the numbers rush and, and and those are those are details of our game that we have to we have to be so diligent and so disciplined if we're gonna be the team we wanna be.
5: Yeah, when you're when you're getting a shutout out of your backup goalie, you're you're probably on your details. You're not, playing the right way. Not to take anything away from uh Casey De Smith and how well he played in that uh relatively surprising start in the last game. For sure. But didn't expect that, but uh, Mike Sullivan pushing the buttons like he normally does. And uh, just Penguins uh, have a plan. They, they, They have a protocol. If they follow those, they usually end up having success. And I'm sure, I know I heard it in health class. Did you guys hear in health class hope is not a method yeah. <laughs> yeah, he just said it right. You don't, you don't make a boy. I hope I can get around this guy. And I don't give up a three on one the other way. I'm going to try something a little artsy here. No,
1: just... and I went to public school, so rhythm wasn't a method either that you could use. <laughs> Pens and the Flyers uh, Wednesday
5: night. It'll be the seventh postseason series between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. Philadelphia has won four of the first six, including 2012. Totally different series, though. Maybe the low point of the uh, Penguins' uh, post-2009 Stanley Cup era. For sure. Because they did not
1: look good. Oh, my God. A a total and complete meltdown. Yeah. (laughs) Horrible goaltending. Horrible everything, Bill. I mean, it was just horrible everything. On both sides. I mean, I think that they damn near averaged 10 goals a game in that series. 9.3 Yeah, these, like 9.3 or something. These, these
5: teams usually end
1: up uh, scoring some goals
5: against one another, but uh, to me, the way that, that, just looking at the the playoffs at first blush, now I'll put an asterisk on it because the teams that win get better as the thing goes on. It's not just getting yourself playoff ready. That's the starting point. And then you have to find ways to improve and continue to elevate your game round by round. Uh, I would look at the Penguins as as the favorite in this round. Uh You certainly can't discount their chances against the Capitals based on history just because they've beaten them so much before. It doesn't mean (laughs) they're going to do it again, but it certainly doesn't mean they can't. Uh, They would have to go into that with confidence. right? I think should they get to the Eastern Conference final, that's the one where they would be the underdog if it's Boston or
1: Tampa. And Boston's got to be worrying going into their postseason just a little bit, just the way they finished out. They kind of limped in. Yeah, and – through last night, where they were playing for uh, a, a division championship at
5: home ice throughout in the East, and Florida was playing for nothing. And Florida was playing for nothing, and uh, the Bruins laid an egg. So, uh, on to Wednesday, on to Philadelphia, and uh, be excited, Val. Don't be, uh, don't be nervous.
0: I am excited, but I am nervous. But here's why everybody should be excited: we're giving away tickets to this Wednesday's game, Penguins Ass. Flyers game one of the series uh, against the Flyers at home. Here's what you have to do to win. Submit a video telling us, or showing us actually, why you're the biggest Pens fan. You could win a pair of tickets to Game 1, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, PPG Paints Arena. This is a quick turnaround. Deadline to enter 5 o'clock tomorrow, p.m. Uh, we'll then announce the winner Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Go to dve.com slash contests for more information and all the guidelines on how to submit and get your video in. You can make a cheer.
1: That's right. You could just you could yell. just show us your man cave that's covered in Penn's gear and
0: you could dress all head to toe your whole family in Penn's gear whatever you want get creative get it in here
5: could we- do something vile to a cheesesteak. <laughs> that's
1: right
0: no, no nudity set a
1: Giroud jersey
0: Please. on fire <laughs> so do that now check it out it's all at dve dot com yeah.
5: hey yeah uh, big day for the Pirates yesterday as well uh, real quick here. Before we go to break, uh, the Pirates had not had a pitcher get into the seventh inning as starting pitcher prior to yesterday. Jameson Tyone not only went into the seventh, he went into the eighth, he went into the ninth, he finished off a complete game, one hit shutout of Cincinnati. Five nothing Pirates. Tyone walked two and struck out seven in improving to two and oh. The Bucks are seven and two to start things off this season. Uh, they're scheduled to be in Wrigley Field today to take on the Cubs. At 220 in Chicago's home opener, Yvonne Nova against Tyler Chatwood. How about James Tyone yesterday? So
1: happy for that kid.
0: Thanks, Mike. It's the DVE Morning Show. It's a DVE Morning Show. I'm Val Porter with Bill Crawford. (laughs) And uh, last week, one of the big stories, uh, one of the big trending stories was the lunchroom theft slash throwing away of someone's lunch and how the guy went to HR. Right. And then there was a guy in they the office. They let him see
1: security footage. Right. He found out the culprit.
0: And there was a guy in the office live tweeting all of this. Pretty much, yeah. Which was epic. I,
1: I, I love that kind of stuff. And I found something else, and I thought you might be interested in it. You know, there's the, there's this app. There's this Twitter handle that I follow uh, based on this app. It's called Neighbor. And the app is basically for a group of neighbors to keep in touch. Mm-hmm. You know, just a, you know, a neighborhood thing. Um, hey,
0: I'm gonna be away for a couple of days. Sure, just grab my mail. Yeah, that something kind of
1: like thing. that. Yeah, uh, sounds good in practice. Usually <laughs> ends up, uh, or sounds good in theory, ends up in a nightmare. Uh, in practice, and the thing that I like about Twitter is that you can kind of relay the, the this drama, these things that play out. You can kind of relive it. You know, they bring it um, to all of us that are following on Twitter. And basically, this guy bitched. The, one of the reasons I hate this Facebook. this isn't a
0: local thing. This is like no, a national. No, app. This is, okay. yeah, this so is where a national. where did this arm. happen?
1: I, I, I'm not sure exactly where it happened. It, it says near I guess it really near not. Wellington. <laughs> so I don't know where Wellington is, but. Um, Basically, the, one of the reasons that I I hate Facebook is that everybody's always on a different page. Like nobody knows where anybody else is. There's no kind of context for why they feel this way. Mm-hmm. And you think you know you, you you put out a post thinking like everybody's gonna be with me on this. Yeah. And then no one is. <laughs> so this guy just posted to this. To which
0: everybody gets sad.
1: Uh, he was so pissed that uh, that somebody decided to mow their lawn on Easter Sunday. <laughs> so he, he just posts. Is You're just
0: really- the piece of the day our Lord <laughs> has right. risen. Come on. And my Easter egg hunt.
1: He has risen. He has risen indeed. Let, let the grass rise a little bit. <laughs> so he says, is it necessary to mow, weed, and edge your lawn on Sunday in late afternoon between 4 and 7, especially on Easter Sunday <laughs> when folks are preparing dinner? and sitting down for dinner let's have some consideration <laughs> for others a great lesson for our children too
0: <laughs> what is that lesson
1: i i don't know <laughs> so then it, that
0: seems like the perfect time to mow the grass between 4 and 7 on well, sunday well that's
1: what people start saying they're like <laughs> actually according to the noise ordinance the laws are within their rights maybe that's their only day off to do it just saying probably meant no harm in fact Maybe the rest of the neighborhood was unaware that the world revolves around you between four (laughs) and seven on Sundays. And then somebody else writes, please provide a spreadsheet of your preferred mowing days and time windows. We all have our our own uh, HOA HOA rules changed to enforce them for you. I'm not going to let this injustice go unanswered. We're going to find people and take their homes away if they disrupt your (laughs) Easter dinner again. Like, you know, you you think it's going to go good for you. And people just start lighting you up.
0: These are my favorite, though.
1: Yeah. He goes, uh, another person said, I'm replying to this just so I can follow this conversation and get
0: alerts.
1: (laughs) And then somebody else writes, well, are we now safely out of the four to seven window? I guess everyone can go outside and mow your lawn unless that Chinese satellite falls to earth in your backyard. And then somebody else posts. This post is hilarious. I hope that the risen Jesus that I can mow <laughs> my lawn when I want. God bless America. We we now live in a world where people are working various hours to make ends meet, but let's get serious about, you know, other important issues. Then somebody else writes, I'm sure that if you volunteer to do their yard work for them, they'd consent to you doing it at a time that befits your schedule. So Heck everybody's yeah. just like, basically, you're a jag off like that yes easter sunday is this you know what i take issue with if somebody wakes up at you know five o'clock in the morning and starts cutting their grass
0: well then you got an issue they're
1: waking you up on a sunday morning it's like dude
0: what's what can you wait
1: till four or seven
0: (laughs) what what's your time in the morning i say like nine
1: yeah nine on the weekends
0: like i wouldn't Mow the our grass, not that I mow our grass. <laughs> but I'm like, you know, don't disturb you other people. You send Tim out to mow right. the grass. Get out there, but wait until nine o'clock. Yeah,
1: I think that's cool. I mean, because I I have a leaf blower that's pretty loud. It's like a gas run leaf blower, and it's it's pretty loud, and it's my favorite toy. <laughs> and I don't really use it on the weekends early in the morning because I just number one I want to sleep in,
0: so yeah.
1: I'm, I'm 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 doing that. But number two, I want to be respectful because in the, in in your, you know, in the back of your head, you kind of have to have that, you know, you're thinking of other people because in my last neighborhood, like it was killer be killed. I mean, we, people were taking our, our parking space right in front of our house. There wasn't a whole lot of respect going on on the block.
0: So fire that thing up at 6 a.m. Right.
1: <laughs> you do it just to piss people off. <laughs> but out here, you know, it's like I'm, I'm moved to the suburbs. It, there's a
0: there's a level of respect. Yeah, and even though, like, I know most of our neighbors are early risers, still. i have let the birds tweet for a little. And have right. Some, some peace. Give, quiet. Us, give us a little
1: peace. But four to seven that's, on a Sunday? Come on, dude. That's
0: prime time for yeah. yard work. Yeah.
1: So uh, that guy. So uh, look, I'm going to be keeping it the, the the Twitter handle is best of next door. And if you're like us and kind of like these sagas and and love watching them play out, because really that's the only reason I go on Facebook anymore, is to watch somebody get in trouble. Like if you see a post, you go, uh uh-oh, it's about to go down in the comment section. And that's basically what this is. So I can delete my Facebook app altogether.
0: (laughs) Uh, I got news coming up next. And don't forget, you have a chance to win. And we got to hit this hard because there's a limited amount of time to win these tickets. We're giving away tickets to... The first game against the Flyers this Wednesday night at PPG Paints Arena. Show us, sing us, chant us why you're the biggest Penguins fan for a chance to win those tickets. Go to dve.com to get all the details. Deadline to enter is tomorrow at 5 p.m. because we got that first game on Wednesday.
1: Yeah, it's a quick turnaround.
0: Yeah, I got news coming up next. Bill, you have two kids. You don't have to answer this now, and maybe you don't want to at all, but... Do you have a favorite kid? A new survey has determined the answer. We'll talk about it. I do,
1: and I'll reveal it next.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's coming up on DVE. It's 29 degrees now at DVE. The news is brought to us by Golden Oak Lending. The second sexual assault trial against Bill Cosby begins today. Cosby is charged with drugging and sexually assaulting Andrea Constant at his Philadelphia area mansion in 2004. He has denied the charges, and his first trial ended in a hung jury. During jury selection last week, seven men and five women, along with six alternates, were selected. In addition to Constand, several other women will be able to testify that Cosby allegedly sexually assaulted them in the 80s and 90s. And Texas Republican Blake Farenthold is leaving Congress. He sent his resignation letter in a YouTube post to Governor Greg Abbott on Friday. Farenthold is being investigated by the House Ethics Committee after it was learned he used a special congressional fund to settle a harassment suit involving a former spokesperson. Police say a Beaver County woman is accused of using, using fortune-telling to trick people into giving her thousands of dollars. Investigators say 27-year-old Sophie Mills is accused of taking 200 bucks from one victim for a tarot card reading and three-day soap and candle cleanse. Police A. Mills told the victim she was cured and and needed to put an additional $3,000 and an egg into what she called a mojo jar. When the woman asked for the money back, police A. Mills refused, saying money was the root of all evil. According to the Trib, she is facing two felony counts of theft by deception and two misdemeanor counts of fortune-telling, which is illegal in Pennsylvania. Oh, is it? Yes. I didn't know that. They said it's rarely enforced, but it is technically illegal.
1: What are you in the? What are you in jail for? Fortune telling. <laughs> what about you? I killed someone. <laughs> well, it's pretty much the same
0: thing, right? My magic eight ball got me in big trouble. <laughs> Researchers have discovered that it's actually dangerous for people to go broke. Again, another big shocker here. Uh, Amazingly, the risk of death for middle-aged and older Americans jumps a whopping 50% when they have a sudden loss of wealth. The loss of money ends up affecting the way they take care of themselves. Again, big surprise. Uh, With less money, they are less able to pay for health care costs. The loss of money also messes with their mental health and leaves people with fewer options. Life ends up being less fun, and it seems not worth living quite as much. What is the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Survey monkey, ask the question, the top three answers.
1: I look at my phone.
0: That's number one.
1: <laughs> I knew it.
0: Brush your teeth and drink coffee.
1: First thing.
0: Go. How is going to the bathroom not even wow. in the top three?
1: That's, I go to the bathroom right away.
0: Yeah, me too. First thing.
1: Yeah. That's and usually you... my main motivation for getting out of bed.
0: <laughs> right. And who brushes their teeth before they get in the shower? Do you do that? That's no. like an after shower thing, yeah. For me, yeah,
1: yeah. That's uh, that's pretty crazy to to do the first thing.
0: I could see if drink coffee, check your phone, and drink coffee. I could see is a f- top two. Mm-hmm. G- g- bathroom, not even in the top three. Don't get it.
1: I usually stretch while I'm peeing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's tricky.
1: Yeah. It can be, but it's mainly an upper body stretch. I'm not (laughs) touching my toes or anything.
0: (laughs) For you parents.
1: I touch my toes and and, uh, I'm facing away from the toilet.
0: (laughs) Uh, Bill, you have two kids. Do you have a favorite kid? You don't have to answer if you don't want to, but.
1: I think. One of my kids likes
0: me more than the other one. (laughs) I
1: think they have a favorite.
0: (laughs) A quarter of parents admit they do have a favorite child. So which kid is it? Well, 56% say the youngest is the favorite. Then it's the oldest child and middle kids, you're dead last.
1: Uh, (sighs) See, this is why I I do stand up. Because (laughs) I am a middle child. child. Yeah.
0: Uh, What is it that makes parents pick a favorite? The majority say it's because that kid makes them laugh the most. 41% say it's because their favorite kid reminds them the most of themselves. Grandparents have favorites too, but it's usually the oldest. Really? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I I was actually talking um, to somebody about this recently, just the middle child syndrome. Like, I'm a middle child and never even fully understood it Myself until, you know, years of therapy, and <laughs> and I figured it out because when you're the oldest, like you got your parents all to yourself,
0: right? It's and, awesome, and they're super hyper focused. Oh my on god,
1: you. it's their first go go-round. Yeah. so everything is. You're just popping the cherry of firsts all the way along.
0: Everything's wonderful. Oh my gosh! Look, they said ba 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 ba.
1: So then the second kid comes along, and you're like hey, what's up, world? And the oldest is like, who's this (laughs) dirtbag? Like, now I got to share time with him? I don't want to share the stage with this dude. And then you're kind of like hanging out, feeling the vibe, you know, not really feeling the vibe of the older sibling. And then another one's born. So you get no
0: real time to shine. And especially when they're born every two years. Yeah. Like, I know a lot of people who have kids every two years. So that's why... You know, you get into
1: comedy. So you can be like, Hey, <laughs> look at me. I can make you laugh. Come on, mom, dad. I get some you love me, right?
0: <laughs> Please. There's uh like there's so many different traits that are attributed to different kids in the birth order. So for me, I am the youngest and I'm considered an only child because there's so much gap between me and my closest brother.
1: Were you a surprise baby?
0: I was. Yep.
1: Very nice. Yeah. So you're like me, it's like they're it's like you're yeah an I, only child they're starting all over yeah
0: I call me and I was the only girl oh wow and our, I, my dad's side of the family I was the only girl in like forty some years I so hate, you were like the I golden hate child pink because of it really I hate the color pink
1: finally they're like we finally got a girl and it's and it's Everything, Valerie and she's yeah. like rooting
0: tooting some <laughs> again yeah. skin those rabbits. My mother was... I was such a disappointment for her. (laughs) (laughs) No, you were
1: her favorite. Come on.
0: Oh, a hotel in Canada has decided to lift its lifetime ban against a man who inadvertently destroyed a room in the strangest way possible. Maybe not the strangest way possible, but it's pretty strange. In 2001, Nick Burchell of Nova Scotia was in Victoria, British Columbia, for business, and he had plans to meet up with uh, some of his old Navy buddies. Well, he had a suitcase, for whatever reason, that was filled with pepperoni as a gift. (laughs) I mean,
1: That's That's not a thing. Hey, what'd you get for Christmas? I got a suitcase of pepperoni. What about you?
0: (laughs) The Fairmont Empress Hotel had no refrigerator in the room, so he opened the suitcase and put it by an open window to keep it cold. Well, he went out for a walk and came back several hours later to find his room full of seagulls who had eaten all the sausage and left the place a total mess. Okay, two questions here. What hotel has windows that don't have screens on them? Right. And how- A cheap one. How much did the, I mean, that's got to cause some gastrointestinal upset for seagulls. Oh,
1: dear Lord. First
0: time they ate a, so- a suitcase <laughs> full of sausage.
1: Death by farting? Is that a thing that's <laughs> ever happened to a seagull?
0: Uh, oh if my. 40 seagulls were in the room- Oh, my God. They destroyed the curtains, knocked lamps over, pooped like crazy all over the floor (laughs) and the (laughs) furniture. (laughs) I bet. The hotel banned Burchill as a result, but he recently asked the hotel owner for a pardon. He even sent the hotel a box of pepperoni as a (laughs) peace offering. This is
1: how this whole thing
0: started. The hotel did agree to lift the ban and invited him to stay there the next time he is in town. Now it's starting to feel like
1: he had like some kind of seagull vendetta. Like He was like, yeah, I'll forfeit the uh, suitcase of pepperoni just to see this mayhem break out. Oh, my God. That must have wreaked havoc. Oh, Oh, (laughs) just and especially it's it probably wasn't good pepperoni, right?
0: Probably not. If you got a suitcase full of it.
1: Yeah, if you're buying that much pepperoni.
0: I remember one time we were at, but at Presque Isle in Erie and we fed the seagulls barbecue potato chips, which is a horrible thing to do. Yeah, what happened The, the seagulls just walked around with their mouths open like, <laughs> 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 So I can't imagine what a suitcase full Here, of pepperoni. Here, have a flaming hot Cheeto. <laughs> See ya.
1: Good oh Lord. Oh my God. In music
0: news, The Who are celebrating the 50th anniversary of the band's two legendary shows at the Fillmore East in New York City. The Who live at the Fillmore East 1968 will be available on two CDs and three vinyl LPs on April 20th. An epic over 33-minute version of the band's early three-minute single, Uh, My Generation, is so long it takes up both sides of the third LP. Of note is the fact that the two original shows took place April 5th and 6th, the two days following the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. Bob Dylan is turning a 1929 song into an LGBTQ anthem for the just-released six-song album Universal Love. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame singer-songwriter reworked She's Funny That Way into He's Funny That Way for the collection which was released digitally last week. And finally, Jimmy Kimmel is issuing an apology for making a gay joke during a feud with Fox News host John Hannity. In a statement, Kimmel said he didn't intend to belittle or upset any member of the gay community and apologize. Kimmel received a lot of heat after telling Hannity on Twitter to, quote-unquote, get back on top I don't know. Kimmel and Hannity have been feuding after Kimmel made fun of First Lady Melania Trump's accent while she read to kids during the White House Easter egg roll on his Fox News program. Hannity said he would keep going after Kimmel until he issued the First Lady an apology, which I don't know if he has. He apologized for the gay joke, but I don't know if he's apologized for making fun of Melania.
1: Well, I mean, Hannity kind of started that. I mean, not look, we're nitpicking here, but Hannity used one of one of the funniest slur kind of things where he was on his own show he called Kimmel an ass clown (laughs) I was like I haven't heard somebody call anybody that in about 10 years (laughs) (laughs) so there was a little bit of that rhetoric going back and forth and and I read the thing that Kimmel wrote and I guess that's um you know the high
0: road yeah good to apologize for that but uh Forecast today, cloudy and cold snow and rain possible. It's 40 degrees on April 9th, and winter continues, but uh, I guess it's appropriate uh, for, for hockey season. The playoffs start Wednesday mm-hmm. night. Penguins taking on the Flyers in round one, and we've got tickets to Wednesday's game for you. Go to dve.com to enter. Deadline to get your video in is 5 p.m. tomorrow. Here's the deal. you got to make a video yep. telling us why you're the biggest Pens fan.
1: Just show us your spirit. I show thought us your team you spirit. could tell
0: penguins or you could tell Flyers jokes. Yep. Tell, tell hockey jokes.
1: Burn a Giroux jersey. That's probably not a great Maybe not. piece of advice <laughs> to somebody. <laughs> show us your man cave with all your sports memorabilia you and do your, cheers, your pens gear.
0: Cartwheels. That's right. If you can, whatever you want to do, get your video get in. Get the
1: dog in a jersey.
0: Again, get your video in now. Deadline to enter 5 o'clock tomorrow. Go to dve.com slash contests for all the uh, guidelines on how to submit your video. Mike Pursuta coming up at the bottom of the hour with sports. And uh, also on the day uh, show today, Joe Bartnick going to be joining us once again. Jason Joey Mackey B. from the Post-Gazette talking penguins. David Isaac, uh, he is the Flyers beat writer for the Courier Post and USA Today so we'll talk to him about the Penguins-Flyers matchup. And Jerry Dulac talking the Masters. It's all this morning in the DVE Morning Show.
2: Bill Burr's uh, joining us right now in studio. Dude, I'm sorry about the traffic. It's you No,
7: know, it wasn't bad. For some reason, the the Waze or whatever said uh, it was going to be like 50 minutes. Yeah. And then it was just once we got through the tunnel. Yeah, that's all it hmm. ever is. Oh, it all right. It completely screws things up. Eventually, Center tonight, you dude. guys are going to have to build another tunnel. No,
2: whatever. <laughs> just because <laughs> no, you guys obviously. did the big dig Eventually in Boston. you're going to
7: just, all you do you just drill through. Do another bridge? <laughs> fire up those stacks down there at the mall. Get some steel going. Those don't work. <laughs> they don't work. Those are That's, just for those show. Are just for
8: <laughs> it's a brew pub
7: now. I was gonna say some hipsters probably use it to make their own beer or some crap like that. The uh, <laughs> the big dig in Boston. It sucked for so long, but now it's awesome. Oh now yeah, that the big it's, dig. No, no, it isn't. No? Aesthetically, it's great, and we got federal money. And we got in trouble for yeah, that too. Yeah, but you too. get right from the airport to downtown in like no time now. And you must have gone there on a holiday. I must have. Because why? <laughs> yes. no, cause what they did was they 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 took the whole thing and they put it underground and they added no lanes. And when you get <laughs> off hiding the traffic. Yeah. <laughs> it's when you get off they'll have like one lane and one giant like breakdown lane for first responders, whatever they call... Whatever they call... Whatever, knew, whatever, to they, whatever they call... <laughs> Firemen now. I can't stand that. Why? It's so stupid. Well, what do you I mean? First of all, you're not a first responder. It's like, I called you. <laughs> right, you don't have ESP. Everybody is, a, everybody is a first responder. You're doing a morning radio show. You're a first responder. Come on, round of applause. Dude, it's that... Ever since nine eleven, it's they got eldest taxpayers yeah. in this guilty thing of anybody in a uniform <laughs> you have to drop to your knees and borderline you know what it's just like uh, Three seconds uh, uh, in the fireman a plumber is, is a first responder <laughs> well, you yeah. got a backed up toilet and whoever shows up first I they, they, yeah. want a round of applause for this guy oh my God. He, he should get on the plane first,
1: <laughs> no.
7: first babies no. and
1: first responders please oh board God. oh God.
7: dude you cannot buy a seat <laughs> close enough to the Still have to, you still got to wait for like fifty people? I'm finally I making money where I can ride up front, and it's like anybody with a baby, anybody who owns a hardware store. <laughs> it's like I paid two grand for a ticket. How about that guy? Where can I get on?
0: It's a DVE morning show. Bill Bird joined us in studio Friday, and you went to see him. Uh, oh Bill, uh, Joe Bartnick opened for him. Masterful. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about that show with Joe when he comes in later today. Mike Pursuit is coming up next. Nice game for Jamison Tyone of the Pirates yesterday. He's got details on that. But what we're all talking about, Flyers and Penguins in the first round, Game 1 Wednesday at PPG Paints Arena. Mike's got sports next on DVE.
5: DVE Sports. I'm Mike Persuda for DVE Sports brought
0: to you this hour by Golden
5: Oak lending. The Flyers-Penguins series in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs will begin on Wednesday, April the 11th, uh, right here at PPG Paints Arena. Game 2, Friday night at 7 o'clock. Same start time as Game 1. Then the series shifts to Philadelphia Sunday, April the 15th, 3 o'clock. And then Wednesday, April the 18th at the Wells Fargo Center. So, uh, not a particularly stressful first four games in
1: terms of The time in between. And I love it, too. We get a Friday night game so we can sleep in. And then we get an afternoon game on Sunday. And then uh, if game five is
5: necessary, that's a Friday game. That's uh, here in Pittsburgh. I love it. Sunday, April the 22nd, if needed, in Philly. And Tuesday, April the 24th, game seven here in Pittsburgh. You you know what I was
0: thinking this morning when I was getting ready? Uh. (laughs) Do you remember last year during the finals how just – brain dead we all were oh my god just yeah. could not speak couldn't think walking into walls
1: could be two months totally burned out Ah, oh. this is a run just as a fan yeah <laughs> it's a grind
5: <laughs> i can only imagine if i was uh, going to the home games and drinking instead of working <laughs>
1: oh that must just just the, tear you the, up and spit yeah. you out by the end i mean the horrible decisions you're making with food
0: <laughs> oh yeah that's the other thing beers too many wings too much pizza chips dip and then, then the hypertension the that yeah. comes
1: from playing the flyers i mean as a fan you're you know my blood doesn't boil like it does for philadelphia
0: well mike you're telling me not to to worry about i would not be round.
1: concerned yeah nothing's guaranteed
5: uh, i love the uh, doc emmerich line it's
0: history not
5: prophecy but uh, the history of this season <laughs> Was good in the regular season. The Penguins played the Flyers four times, and they beat them four times, and they scored five goals every time. Now, two of those games were in overtime. The three-on-three gimmick, gimmick nonsense, goes away mm-hmm. in the playoffs. So, uh, what what are the Penguins' overtime victories worth? Uh, if you're really trying to figure out how these teams match up, the Penguins went 14 and six in overtime and uh, shootouts this year. Twelve of those wins in overtime. Philadelphia 11 and 14 in overtime, 14 loser points. Hmm. But the Penguins got a bunch of overtime points, uh, you know, that that extra win point that they can't necessarily (laughs) count on because it's not three on three anymore. But I I, I think the Penguins are a better team than the Flyers. I think they match up well with the Flyers. And this just in, the Penguins are back to back Stanley Cup champions. Now, you may have heard uh, Mike Sullivan talk from time to time over the last couple of seasons while they were winning those two cups about how the Penguins' will to win is a competitive advantage. I had a a chance to talk with Sullivan about that in detail in late January, and he talked about their will to win, uh, among other things, in terms of what they're willing to take or what they're uh, able to respond to in the pursuit of victory. You know,
6: there's so many good teams. There's such a fine line between winning and losing that a lot of times the difference... Is the resilience and the and the character and the makeup and the leadership and how you respond to the to some things that don't go your way out there and some of them which you can't control, and so uh, I, I've just always been a firm believer in, in that, and and I think that uh, that this this team here, this group of players, this core group has shown so much character uh, over the. Over my tenure as their coach, I couldn't be more proud of the group, and uh, you know, to to be their coach and to be be part of uh, of their growth and maturity uh, as people as well as players. And, and when I say as people, I'm I'm talking about just the the maturity to handle adversity and and how whether it be day to day or week to week or month to month or right within a game, and and so it's just an essential part of having success and so uh, we talk all the time even even as a management team and when we talk with about personnel and uh, I think that the character of the individual is so critically important to helping a team win championships and uh, you know there are there are players that um, you know there there are a lot of good players in the league and then there are players that help you win and and the question we always ask ourselves is who's going to help us win and, and those are the types of players that we want on our team. And I think the core group that we have has shown uh, their ability to perform in a high-stakes high environment and show the necessary leadership and resilience and resolve that it takes to overcome the challenges this league presents.
0: The other thing about the Flyers is this has always been a team that's been able to lure the Penguins into stupid penalties.
1: I would say that's the biggest difference between 2012 2012. Philadelphia Flyers and Penguins. They don't have a lot of guys that do that anymore. I think mm-hmm. that their fighting majors are one of the lowest in the leagues. The, the team with the most, or the player with the most uh, penalty minutes going into this series is is Geno. And the Penguins,
5: uh, you just heard that uh, minute and 45 second Mike Sullivan soundbite. He'll talk about their resilience, their resolve, their maturity, their understanding of what you can and can't do. Uh, that used to be the Penguins' Achilles heel, just mm-hmm. mess with them.
0: Get and them at, off their game, that two, agitate them a little.
5: That 2012 series, the meltdown series, as Bill accurately called it, uh, that was example A of how easy it was yep. to knock the Penguins off their game and just blow past them when it really mattered. Uh, no more. They're not that team anymore. They, they not since Sullivan showed up. He has taught them how to take a punch. He's taught them how to take a bad break, a bad call, a bad result. Uh, whatever adversity you might have to overcome, move on. Uh, the Penguins are able to deal with it and move forward, and uh, that's why you got to like their chances going into the playoffs again.
1: Uh, I like it. I like are, it. There aren't a, are a lot. lot of
5: guarantees, but there is a track record with that core group that he mentioned, and don't think the rest of the league doesn't know it. Um, it, it you're going to have to kill these guys to knock them out. You know they're mm-hmm. they're not going to go quietly. They're not going to go easily. They're not going to beat themselves. At least they haven't for two straight postseasons and counting now. Pens and Flyers Wednesday night to start the Stanley Cup playoffs in the city of Pittsburgh. I can't wait. Outstanding performance by Jameson Tyone of the Buckos yesterday. He throws his first career shutout. Nine innings, one hit, two walks, and seven Ks in the Pirates. Five-nothing victory over the Reds. Gregory Polanco hit his third home run of the season and Corey Dickerson his first for the Pirates, who have improved to 7-2 and two in the early going. They're in Chicago to take on the Cubs in the Cubbies' Wrigley Field opener this afternoon. Yvonne Nova against Tyler Chatwood. Uh, that 7-2 record as the Pirates atop the NL Central Division. Chicago is second at 5-4, and four, two games behind the Pirates. Patrick Reed is your Masters champion. I can't wait to talk to Jerry Dulac about this guy today. Uh, He's from the state of Georgia, but he lived uh, in western Pennsylvania for four years. His family moved here when he was six. And he played a lot of golf at Diamond Run. Oh, And people out there still remember him. Uh, Jerry, uh, I'm sure, remembers the details of the Patrick Reed story and his uh, ties to western Pennsylvania. The Steelers hosted Clemson linebacker Dorian O'Daniel on Friday, uh, the ninth uh, pre-draft visit. Uh, they've, they're allowed 30 of those, and uh, through the first nine, four of the guys that have been visiting have played inside linebacker. <laughs> Wonder which way they're going to go in the draft.
4: <laughs>
5: don't be uh, don't be deterred by those uh, signings of uh, John Bostic and Morgan Burnett. They're going to be heavy on linebacker and, and defensive back in the draft, safety
1: in particular, as they should be. Playoffs start Wednesday, guys. I can't believe it's already here. I'm amped for this.
0: Me too.
5: Phil Bork. Well, the last time he was in, he talked about how long the Penguins had been waiting for Game Three or Game 83, excuse me. You know, get through the regular mm-hmm. season. I think the fans have been waiting for
1: Game 83 yeah. as well. And Borky's. Hate I know I have for the Flyers is matched, maybe only by Joe Bartnick, who's going to join us at eight o'clock this morning. <laughs> he hates the Flyers. It's like I hate the Flyers. But then I hear him talk about the Flyers, and I'm like, Dude, I don't hate the Flyers enough. He inspires me to hate more. I would say work on it, you know.
0: <laughs> you got time. You got Take a couple of days. Take your weakness
1: and make it a strength. That's, that's right.
0: <laughs> Not much time, though, for hate you the right way. to uh, win those tickets for Wednesday night's game. We're giving away a pair of tickets to the game, 7 p.m. PPG Paints Arena this Wednesday. But you got to do a little work. Doesn't have to be too involved, but get your creative juices flowing, make a video, and show us why you're the biggest, best Penguins fan.
1: That's right. Show us all your gear, your man cave.
0: Deadline is 5 p.m. tomorrow, so get your videos ready. Get them in here. You can find all the info on how to get your uh, your video entered. Go to dde.com slash contests. Joe Bartnick, as Bill mentioned, going to be joining us. Jason Mackey from the Post-Gazette talking Pens Flyers in the playoffs. That's at 8.15. At 9.15, David Isaac, he's a Flyers beat writer for the Courier Post and USA Today as well. Jerry Dulac joins us at 9.45. It's the DVE Morning Show. When you
2: do... When you take on an acting role, that's not just. Well, I'm just going to say somebody else's words. You're you're into the craft, yeah. But I, I stink at it. I mean, compared to like, I can do
7: like what I would do in that situation. You know what I mean? Like that's I, why you were great like, on crashing. By like, the way, I mean that was. Oh, when that I was, was playing myself, yeah, I was incredible. Yeah, the amount of research I did. <laughs> right. No, but like method I, acting. Joe DeRosa told me one time he was watching uh, this John Travolta talking about all the roles he did. And he was like, "Well, Vinny Barbarino walked like this, Vincent Vega walked like this, get shorty like that." He's like, "Dude, he does the walks." And I never thought to do that. Anybody I've ever played walked exactly the way I walked. <laughs> yeah. And half the time I do something, they always got to write a backstory. Yeah, he he spent 4 years in college in Boston to try to cover for my <laughs> accent. I am like is on the opposite spectrum of Daniel Day-Lewis, like where he'll be like Abraham Lincoln. Can you imagine his wife? I think that's why why we retired. His wife having to put up with him discovering that Lincoln had sort of a high-pitched voice and she has to listen to that for a year is oh, yeah. he's walking around in some stupid giant top hat.
2: <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, you ready to go to the yeah. theater? Are going
7: to take a little more time? And, and, and they, no, they have, like, arguments, and he's wearing the hat going, yeah, you like the house? You like, you like the lifestyle? This is what you got to go through. <laughs> but also
2: with, like, some 1800s vibe in there. I'm the real splitter, baby,
7: okay? Yeah.
1: All right? Don't call me that for nothing. <laughs> this guy? Well, don't, don't start bringing this up old stuff. That happened four score and seven years ago. Meanwhile,
2: that probably didn't help her with her schizophrenia or whatever she had. She was like insane. Oh, God, God. I don't want to talk about his wife like that. I have no, I'm just making.
7: I'm, I'm, trust me, <laughs> trash and no, me. Talking about you're talking, talking Lincoln's about Lincoln's yeah. wife. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to play her in the next movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
8: yeah. I was Academy Award winning right there. Yeah, yeah. He married yeah.
7: him for 25 years just to do research so he could get it down. <laughs> <laughs>
0: 28 degrees now at DVE. The news is brought to us by BobbyRahal.com. I'm Val Porter. Here's a good story out of Pittsburgh making some national news. An usher for the Pirates is redefining workplace dedication. 99-year-old Phil Coyne has worked for the Pirates since 1936. Well, he is retiring. He has assisted fans first at Forbes Field, then Three Rivers Stadium, and now PNC Park. His only sabbatical was when he served in the military in World War II. Pirates will be throwing a party for the veteran on April 27th. That's Coyne's 100th birthday. He'll also get his own day in Pittsburgh. The city has designated August 29th as Phil Coyne Day. Coin is the oldest usher in the major league after working for eighty-one seasons. God bless him.
8: He's making too much none- money. Nothing's just
1: getting <laughs> rid right. of. He's cutting costs. Now that guy's story is absolutely an inspiration. He's an amazing guy. He used to, he cut the bus to get there too.
0: Yeah, he doesn't which look just 99. adds
1: difficulty. Oh no, no, no. He looks great, and he's always you know talking to people and and just having that connection with the fans. Yeah. I mean, he was sort of a celebrity for all these years because it's just 81 seasons.
0: Crazy. Just think about all the incredible players he's seen.
1: Oh, yeah. He's seen them all.
0: Yeah. More and more Americans are paying for everything electronically or with credit cards. A new study from Capital One finds one in four Americans go totally cashless. For millennials, the number didn't carry cash. The number that don't carry cash jumped to a third. In fact, millennials, 41% more likely to call paying with cash inconvenient. Only 21% said cash is their most common form of payment. The study found 6 in 10 Americans actually think cash will disappear completely as a form of currency one day.
1: You know what's crazy? that I just saw this um, this special just about how street performers, you know, you you see somebody doing something on the street. They have their... You know, guitar case open. You can drop Mm -hmm. a buck in it. Now, a lot of those performers will have their Venmo account.
0: Shut up! Like,
1: (laughs) hey, Venmo me here. You know, hit my PayPal account, so you don't even have to, you know, exchange money there. Gosh, which is just crazy to me. What are the homeless going (laughs) to (laughs) do? They're going to have those swipe up Venmo account.
0: use my Square.
1: Yeah, use my Square reader. Give me a little bit. Give me Uh. a buck.
0: Uh, The pest predictions are in and it's uh, looking like it's going to be a buggy spring according to the National Pest Management Association's bug barometer. Ticks will be the pest to watch out for. Based on the harsh winter, much of the country endured entomologists are expecting ticks to remain a significant problem in much of the U.S., which if it was so bad, why aren't they all dead?
8: They're ticks. They survive. They're the worst. Do you guys have a wasp problem?
0: um no ticks are bad around here though does california have a wasp problem
8: Oh, I don't know. I'm just staying at my mom and dad's, and they and and the the room I'm in is just wasp-infected. Oh my god! Well, every like one a day just comes out like a superhero.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's huge. They're the worst. Yeah,
8: and they one of them actually bit my mother. Oh my god! She thought it was dead, and it came back to life. It was like wasp three. They're
0: so painful.
8: (laughs) Yeah, they are. I felt bad. I'm like, oh my god, mom, what what were you doing? (laughs) She tried to pick it up.
0: Pick it up. Well, with
1: a napkin but still oh, like you know i make sure it's the, dead
0: uh, stomping on it put a
1: tick on it <laughs> <laughs> we have ticks like crazy it's if, so bad of the, here. especially in the south hills with all the with all the deer and it sucks because i moved out here because i wanted to have my kids be able to have a, a yard that they could play in and my wife doesn't let them go outside now <laughs> she's like there's ticks out there i'm like oh good why did we move here i never
8: even heard of ticks existing until like a year ago no maybe uh, they're just like fleas and ticks well
1: ticks don't really you know I thought dogs- that was something you get at the farm right <laughs> yeah like-
0: no there we we took our dogs on a walk on the very back part of our property which is kind of wooded and high grass
8: yeah
4: when
0: we came back one dog had eight ticks on him and the other had six ticks on her i'm like we're not going back there anymore
8: my dog's That's actually allergic crazy. to mosquito bites
0: really yeah
8: which is a horrible $300 lesson to learn every year yeah. when your wife doesn't put the drops on the, r- the back of her neck.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
8: <laughs> I told you every time what's going on.
0: They say pests like mosquitoes and cockroaches and termites also likely to be out in large numbers. Experts suggest wearing insect repellent when spending time outdoors. Do they have stink bugs in California? Cuz they're Don't take any back with you cuz they're all mm-hmm. over the place here. I
8: don't think the TSA will let me. <laughs> no, you, take all you your stink that. bugs <laughs> out of the <laughs> pockets is there any stink buds in your pockets sir put
1: B- that in a separate bin <laughs> yes <laughs> or, 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 or it, my stink bud would have to be smaller than three
4: centimeters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: you know what 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 astonishes me about stink bugs is they are strong enough to survive like inside a curtain rod for 7 years but then dumb enough to just die on your windowsill for no reason
0: and i think they have some kind of suction cups or something on their legs cuz when they die they just stay where they are they just are.
1: stay there like i've
0: you find them just laying there dead i've picked up dead ones before to throw away and they just stick to your hand you're like get off of me
1: and they fly and they're, they're- which is just <laughs> I never knew about the, because oh, they're yeah. just always crawling around. and They'll then you, dive bomb you. you got to be careful.
0: A uh, strange case unfolding in California where an art student is accused of faking her own kidnapping in an effort to con her parents out of thousands of dollars. Hasn't this been like 10 different movies? Uh, investigators in Pasadena say the 20-year-old Art Center College of Design student sent a picture of herself bound and gagged to her parents saying she needed $85,000 <laughs> to be set free. Wow. Her parents live in China. Officials uh, sniffed out the scam, though, last week when they found her uninjured at a motel. They say she did admit to making up the entire story. Uh, BuzzFeed has printed the results of a survey about competing brands. So voice your opinions as you feel fit uh, or so moved to do. One that's mm-hmm. been around for years, uh, the debate Coke versus Pepsi. I mean, that's like I've uh, been around for 30-some years. I've never met one person
1: Person that prefers Pepsi over Coke. I am a Coke guy
8: 130%. I'll I'll go the iced tea, I'll go water, I'll go anything but Pepsi. But I will say this the people that say, Oh, I don't even know the difference, I'm like, You're you need to be institutionalized. Right.
1: <laughs> You're out of your mind. Yeah. Because when they say is Pepsi all right, I always say, No. No, it's not alright.
0: See, I do prefer Pepsi. You do? Yeah. You're Coke the first is very person. strong. It's like, <laughs> Pepsi's
8: sweet like you are, Val.
0: Aw, you're sweet, Joe. See,
1: Pepsi's <laughs> too sweet for me.
0: But it's not. Maybe it's the carbonation. Maybe the carbonation's really strong. It's a little fizzier, I in, think. In Coke.
8: No, I, I think Pepsi has more you fizz. You think so? I,
0: I think so. Well, 76% did choose Coke. Uh, McDonald's or Burger King?
1: Mickey D's.
8: You know, I'm not. Gonna, I'm not trying to be a snob, but I, they both make me sick.
1: You don't I, like e- either
8: one. E- yeah, no. I and I teach my daughter like if, if a restaurant has a has a commercial, it's not good.
0: <laughs> Do you not? Are you not <laughs> a fast food guy?
8: I like I like like the ma and pa burger stands. So if that's fast food, then I, you know like, I like going to mm-hmm. a place where like someone just cooks the burger on the grill and yeah. she's smoking a cigarette and then, oh okay, <laughs> like it's a diner. Right, Yeah, yeah. Like but it, you know but in California they just have the stands. Oh, you, you know okay. what I mean? Yeah. Like, I like that. But just the fast food place, I'll do a Wendy's Frosty. Mm-hmm. What about In-N-Out? You're out there in LA. You,
0: yeah, that's a big In-N-Out.
8: Yeah, you know, you. I, for one, got over In-N-Out. If you eat enough of In-N-Outs, like yeah. when my wife was pregnant, we ate them like every day. <laughs> <laughs> because everywhere we lived in San Francisco, then in every highway in, there's like every three exits. So I'd call her, you, you want one now? No, that went down. That went down. So mm-hmm, yeah, she'll finally break down, <laughs> and then you get them, and it's like now
1: we're like, yeah, that's enough.
0: Well, seventy eight per, uh, percent prefer McDonald's.
1: Yeah, I man, I would say the nuggets and the breakfast at Mickey D's well, the gives them the edge. Yeah, and the
0: fries. Yeah. Netflix or Hulu? Netflix. Yeah, crushed. It's not even it. close. Ninety two percent of the yeah. vote. Instagram or Snapchat? Instagram. I hate Snapchat. I don't understand it. Well, I mean, we're not on the
1: demo, I don't think. I'm in
8: my 40s. I don't do either. Right.
0: <laughs> I'm not on Instagram either. 68% prefer Instagram. Walmart or Target?
1: Target. Target.
0: 75% said Target.
1: Everything you can get at Walmart without the stigma. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's right, because most Targets now have a grocery section. So. Yeah. Uh, Nike or Adidas?
1: This one changed for me. I'm an Adidas guy now. I
8: wish I could wear Adidas. I think they're cooler, and I love Run DMC, but what they don't fit wear? as good
1: as Nike's. Oh. I think I have a wide foot. I would say, I'm guessing that Nike is on top on this Slight
0: one. Slight edge, Yes, yeah, 65%. Yeah. But it's
1: changed because, and I don't want to base this solely on Kanye going from Nike to Adidas, but whenever he you know, came out with the Yeezys and everything, they... they adidas completely rebranded you'll notice it's everywhere again like they kind of resurrected that brand
0: uh pizza hut or domino's for pizza chains? hut
1: has to be pizza hut
0: domino's gets the edge 52 percent, just barely though uh yeah and- that's
1: changed i think since i was a kid because when i was a kid i mean domino's was good you know was it like the noid
0: right mm-hmm. avoid, that, the, noid? It, avoid that- the
1: noid avoid the noid Thirty minutes, or or it's free delivery. But Pizza Hut was like, you go to Pizza Hut, just everything about it is nostalgic. The those, pan, pizza, those huge red cups, Pizza, those, pizza Hut, like, you can plastic re- cups
8: reheat. So the, that you can you can reheat Pizza Hut pizza. It tastes That's okay. Right. But I will say, if you live in Pittsburgh or any place that has any Italians living in it. You have to go to a regular pizza store. Yeah, stop. there's so yeah. many local pizza <laughs> I mean, if places. you're in Kansas, Kansas, Kansas I can yeah. see going to... <laughs> yeah. But here, I think... Like, in New York, you see Domino's cars. I'm like, what are people doing?
0: <laughs> uh, and finally, Ben & Jerry's or haagen
1: Ben & Jerry's. Yeah, Ben &
0: Jerry's. 74% chose Ben & Jerry's, which I'm not a food snob, but I ate Haagen-Dazs once for the first time. It was maybe six months ago. I'm like... Oh my God! This is the greatest thing I've ever tasted. Really? I bought like I just kept buying it every week.
8: Häagen-Dazs <laughs> was like the first really nice ice cream to come out years ago. Remember? Yeah, it's
0: got you know all exotic flavors like caramel cone crunch and stuff like that. But Ben and Jerry's is pretty good.
8: My f- my friend in Guy Balem, a great comic, he used to have a joke about when you open a Ben and Jerry's, he just throws away the lid.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ah, uh, forecast today: cloudy and cold, snow and rain. Forty degrees for the high today. It's twenty-eight now at DVE. Joining us now, Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post Gazette, getting ready for the Flyers and the Penguins. I said to Mike a little bit earlier, Jason, this morning, I I don't know why I'm nervous about this series, and I think it's because the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and I'm afraid that the mojo is going to be on their side.
9: Don't be nervous, Val. Okay, There's no reason to be nervous. That's what you're, Philadelphia.
0: That's what Mike said.
9: Uh, Yeah, I mean, me and Mike are on the same wavelength there. If I look at this from a hockey standpoint, I can't sit here and explain any way that the Flyers should win this series. I mean, you know, we've certainly seen the Penguins implode in the playoffs before, and maybe that happens again. I just don't think it's terribly likely. You know, on paper, the Penguins are a much, much better team their strengths far outweigh what the flyers can do i i just i don't even i don't see this thing going more than five games to be honest with you
5: Yeah, and it really starts in goal right uh, you know say what you want about claude Giroux had a great year couturier gots to spare they can't keep it out of their net
9: yeah and and i i think philly has some pretty decent players they're not terribly deep and i think one of the areas you see that is in goal i, I was just going through some of these numbers, Mike, and. Yeah, you know, if we're going to look at Matt Murray and compare him to Brian Elliott, I'm not sure that's a real long conversation. Um,
10: <laughs>
9: and even if it's if it's not Elliott, you know who do they turn to? Peter Mrazek. Give me a break. It's it's the same story with the Flyers every year. They don't have a goalie.
1: Yeah, the last time we saw them, Jason was in 2012, and I think they averaged 9.3 goals in that series. The teams. Um, I don't. I don't see Philly holding up on that end, but but I do see Pittsburgh. Holding up on their end of the bargain as far as averaging that because they've scored what four or five goals every time they saw him this year.
9: Yeah, I, I believe it's five goals in every game. Uh, and you know, Connor Sherry's getting two. One game, the fourth line was was dominant. I remember that one. But the Penguins have had no trouble with the Flyers this season. And again, I just don't see him having trouble in a playoff series either. I think one area where the Penguins could Have a huge advantage and rack up a bunch of goals at the power play. Um, the Flyers for much of the season have been one of the worst penalty killing teams in the NHL. And, you know, we've talked time and time again about the Penguins power play. And honestly, if Philly gets itself into, into penalty trouble, which I think could happen, I do think the Flyers might try to knock around the Penguins because it's their really, their only recourse. And so if you go to the box and the Penguins can make them pay the way they have for a lot of this season, Again, that you know, putting up a five spot is not out of reach at all.
8: Uh, Jason, what center is Coach Sullivan going to use to match up against the Couturier line? Do you have an
9: idea? Yeah, that's an an interesting question. I the one thing that we see on Sullivan like he doesn't play the match game a lot. It's not like he has you know a, a shutdown line. Um, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he just goes best on best and and it's Crosby or Malkin against the Couturier line. Um, that's that would probably track more with what Sullivan has done, and you know they love that Kessel Brossard that third line to kind of exploit some some weaknesses. And if you can get those guys out against, um, you know, I don't know if you want that against Philpola's line or put them out against the fourth line for the Flyers, which is abysmal. Um, maybe that's a matchup advantage as well. Yeah, I read that
8: Sid has not been on the ice for an even strength goals against this season against the Flyers. So I don't, yeah. I don't think Haxtell wants any part of Philpola versus Sid.
9: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's a pretty good stat. Not on the ice for even strength goal against. It's uh, pretty solid. But it, you know, Sullivan honestly, just I don't know whether it's his personality or just the way he coaches the game. Like, it's just he's not a big matchup guy, and he's not going to attack one particular thing. Like, he just kind of trusts his guys to go out there and either you know shut it down, but Again, just basically outplay and outscore the other team.
0: Jason, does uh, Matt Murray have to be the best player for the Penguins?
9: That's a good question, Val. Uh, You know, he he has to be better than he was in the regular season. Um, I I think, you know, if he is the way he's been historically throughout the playoffs, they're easily good enough, um, if not the best team, you know, in, in terms of winning a Stanley Cup. So, I don't know, I guess the easy answer might be to say yes, he has to be their best player. A lot of times you, you hear the cliche of the goaltender being the best, but the thing with do a lot of guys that, you know, Sid gets on a roll. Um, you know, the Flyers can't counter that. If if Malkin, Kessel, same deal. Um, the only thing that I look at Murray and say that I, I absolutely think he needs to find his playoff form. I would argue that this regular season wasn't that. He showed signs of it. Uh, but he also dealt with a lot of crap in the regular season with the concussion and his dad and uh, nicked up here and there. So, uh, you know, he's healthy right now. It seems like he's got a little bit of an edge to him. Um, I I would not be surprised if we see the very best version of Matt Murray soon.
5: It, and along those lines, Jace, if the Penguins are to have success again this spring, will it be because Murray gets better because they get back on the attention to detail defensively uh, that they... Follow the Sullivan credo of you can't score your way to a championship, and they play really well defensively. Or will they fly in the face of the Sullivan credo that you can't score your way to a championship, and end up scoring their way to a championship?
9: <laughs> I don't know. I I do want to tell like I think Sullivan. There's some grains of truth there. Um, I don't think they need to be as good defensively as he wants them to be.
5: He doesn't want to uh, play loose, though, right? So he over right, exactly. yeah,
9: yeah, I mean, it's kind of like how he's approached things with Phil Kessel. Like, just meet him in the middle. You know, they're not going to shut anybody mm-hmm. down. They're not built to do that. Um, and that helps Murray a lot, too. And uh, There's been a lot of talk of, like, flipping switches and stuff. Like, is, is it going to be different in the postseason? And I, I actually do think that that is one thing we're talking about here. Like, with being a different defensive team in the postseason. Yeah, because do, do you back-check like is, you care? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And it's tough to fake that. It's tough to fake that in December and January. And, you know, when a defenseman pinches, the forward has to cover for it. Like, these are simple things. These aren't complex plays that the Penguins just, you know, when, you're, when your give-a-crap level is a little bit lower than it should be, mm-hmm. kind of
1: tough. I think it's an easy buy-in, too, when you're playing a team like the Flyers, who's aggressive defensively, like they have their guys pinching up. And uh, contributing offensively to, to back check and make sure you, you clear it out because you can take advantage of their aggressiveness.
9: Oh, absolutely. And if you have Andrew McDonald pinching or Radco Goudis pinching, I mean, Godspeed. That's not going to work out very well uh, for the Flyers in the Penguins' counterattack game. And that's, you know, if, if the, the Penguins screw up and, and feed, Sullivan loves the term feed the other team's transition game, but it's true. And you're basically just giving short ice to the Flyers, the Flyers might have a chance. But if you're going to make them transition up with the group that the Flyers have on the back end, it's just it's not going to work for Philly.
8: What are the chances Broussard's going to play this series?
9: I think he'll be back. Honestly, um, you know, I think it's the type of injury that, and I mean back for Game One. Uh, he's been skating for a couple of days, and um, it's the type of thing that they just don't want to didn't want to aggravate in the regular season. Um, so I, you know, I think he's back Game One, ready to go. I'll be interested to see what Broussard does too. Uh, it's I remember. Too-
0: it's, it's too bad because it just seemed like he was getting in the groove mm-hmm. with the Penguins.
9: Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And, and getting in the groove with Phil, too, which I think was huge for him. Um, so I, I think he'll be fine. Honestly, if the, anything that concerns me with the Penguins, Derek Persard is not one. Uh, I think he plays game one, and... He's a big time playoff performer. I think he can add a lot to this team. I really do.
1: By the way, getting in the groove with Phil should be a show on this station. Stuff, so. yeah, right. It, it can't only be only deep cuts <laughs> No. No, I'm talking slow jams.
0: Well, <laughs> I wonder if he'll go on like the poker tournament <laughs> run where he going.
9: retires. Oh, uh, wouldn't it be hilarious, though, to see, like, Broussard and mm-hmm. Phil Castle go to the grocery store together or something? Like, just doing, like, everyday tasks, you know, like, cooking sure. with Phil Castle and, you know, how they order lunch or mm-hmm. something. I don't
8: know. Like that old Channel 4 commercial when, like, Paul Long spills his coffee. Yeah. And the other guy catches it in yeah. his cup.
0: <laughs> what do you think the over-under is going to be on how many times uh, the Dan Carcillo-Max Talbot fight is referenced? And him shushing the crowd and turning around the series.
9: I've already seen it ad nauseum now. (laughs) Just all of these, like, references to 2012, and I get it, but I feel like we're just going to get beaten over the head with it once. And I guess maybe it's a hidden benefit of the Penguins playing. I think three of their first four are on AT&T Sportsnet, and the the Sunday afternoon game is on NBC, but I don't know. It's just... (laughs) everybody wants to make this about penguins flyers and it's bitter and they're going to kill each other. And I don't know what else. And I just it's not that way. There's some nastiness there. I mean, they're rivals, but it's not, you know, Dan Carcillo. It's not Talbot or Scott Hartnell or Aaron Asham or any of the stupidity that existed before. It's just not it's different league, different teams.
5: Jason, who's your favorite in the East?
9: <sighs> you know what, Mike, I, I have a tough time picking anybody ahead of the Penguins right now. A month ago, I mm. would have said Tampa. I don't like the way they finished. Um, I, I don't I don't know if Boston is deep enough. I know it's a difficult matchup for the Penguins, but the more and more this thing goes, the more and more I'm liking a Penguins-Nashville rematch, really.
0: Jason Mackey of the Post-Gazette, thanks for joining us this morning, Jason, and uh, we'll look forward to your reporting and uh, columns and on the uh, series against the Flyers here starts Wednesday.
9: All right, guys, thanks for
0: having me. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, man. Uh, don't forget, we're giving away a pair of tickets to this Wednesday's game against the Flyers. you got to make a video telling us, showing us, demonstrating why you are the biggest and the best Penguins fans. Uh, get your video in by 5 o'clock tomorrow. All the information on how to submit your video and all the guidelines for the contest on our website, DDE.com slash contests. Mike Roussou is up next with a full sports report. It's the DVE Morning Show. DVE Sports. on well, my Mike Pursuit for DVE
5: Sports. The specifics of the Penguins-Flyers first round matchup are now set and official. They had to wait until the Bruins in Florida finish things off last night in the NHL's regular season. It'll be the Pens hosting the Flyers at 7 o'clock Wednesday night and Friday night here at the PPG Paints Arena Game three is set for Sunday at 3 o'clock at the Wells Fargo Center in South Philly. Game four, Wednesday, April the 18th at 7 p.m. And then the if necessary stuff, Friday, April the 20th in Pittsburgh. Sunday, April the 22nd in Philadelphia. And Tuesday, April the 24th in Pittsburgh. Uh, Again, games five through seven have the asterisk. Denoting if, if necessary. Needed. I'm not sure they're going to I hope need... we sweep these Jag-offs. I don't think they're going to need seven for sure. I think it's going to be a relatively short series. Philadelphia does have uh, some redeeming social value. We've talked a lot since January about how hot the Penguins were in the second half of the season. Philadelphia went 34-15-17 in its last 56 games. Uh, Flyers got 50 goals out of their defensemen this year. Bill, you referenced how they like to. Get up and get involved. Uh, that's mm-hmm. the most the Flyers have gotten from their blue line crew since 1992-93. Claude Giroux, 34 goals and 102 points. Career highs for him. Uh, Sean Couturier, uh, 31 goals and 76 points. And Joey, what's he about? Plus 185. Uh, he's, he's had a
8: phenomenal year. He's finally living up to all the hype that, uh, Take back know, to that, 2012.
1: that, that Pierre was
5: giving him 10 years ago. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Uh, he was what? Was he a rookie that year?
5: I think he was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shane Bear, a big part of that offensive-defensive core, 13 goals and 65 points. There are some things about the Flyers that get your attention, but what this might come down to more than anything else, and forgive me for oversimplifying, the Penguins have Sidney Crosby, and the Flyers do not. And what Sidney Crosby does for the Penguins uh, goes way beyond what he does in the games. Uh, We've talked a lot and we will continue to talk about what Sullivan perceives to be, what Mike Sullivan perceives to be the Penguins' competitive advantage, their will to win. Uh, That begins first and foremost with Sidney Crosby.
6: I think it's a daily endeavor and the biggest example that jumps out at me is when I watch our captain go out 15 minutes early every practice and take certain shots take certain shots from certain areas of the ring to work on an aspect of his game. He works a lot with Rex this year. In the past couple of years, it was with talk. It's working on shots from pucks coming off the hash mark or down below the goal line or receiving it on his backhand or taking it out of his feet. All the nuances of the game, the the, the elements that I think are so important for, for players to be great. You know, here's a guy that's arguably the greatest player in the game and has a particular work ethic His willingness to put the time in daily, you know, the cameras aren't there, you know, nobody's nobody sees it. But the people that are close to our hockey team, that's the biggest example that jumps out at me of a real life, tangible example of someone's will to win.
0: The one season that always stands out in my mind of him doing that is when he said he was going to work on face offs.
5: Yeah, he usually mm-hmm. picks something every off season yeah. that, that was not uh, he wasn't scoring goals uh, for a while there, and then he started doing that again. It's uh, you got your best player doing that. It's hard for the guys who aren't the best player not to follow suit. Well, it's going to be terms na- of the work ethic and the prep.
8: Mm-hmm. It's going to be nauseating with all the comparisons now, like Crosby to Giroux. It's like, please don't insult my intelligence. Giroux's pretty good player. He, he's, he's had is. a good he's year had this had a, year. He's had
5: a phenomenal season,
8: but he's not Sidney Crosby. No, but he's
1: not chopped liver either. No, no, but he's not Sidney Crosby. He's no, not, but he's not. He's not. He's not Malkin. And in that, remember in that series, Joe, they they basically were saying, "Oh, this is the passing of the torch," and it's like, yeah. "All right, well, Crosby might have something to say about that." He's won two cups since the last time they saw each other. It, it did not get passed. Giroux had a great shift.
8: I think we we can all agree on that. The game right six. at the beginning <laughs> of the game,
1: yeah. Oh. Knock Crosby on his ass and scored a goal. Yeah, no, I think, you know, Sidney Crosby's always
5: historically done very well against Philadelphia. Uh, this will clearly have his attention, not that you would expect the first round of the playoffs not to, but he'll be locked in, they'll be locked in because it's Philly, and all this, all this hype stuff about how contentious it might get, that's going to help the Penguins. It's, it's probably overblown, but... The Penguins are not
1: going to sleep on this
8: one. No, exactly. They certainly won't be like, well, they're starting to warm up to the task of the playoffs. They're going to be right in it from the first drop of the puck.
1: And you know Gino's probably going to get drawn into something just because he's an emotional guy. But his parents are going to be there. And he always plays well in front of them. And you know, it's... is not going to eat Gino's lunch this. He got time. drawn in in Game 82 against the Senators. <laughs>
4: <laughs> right. he get
8: drawn in in yeah. Philly? He he's he's so fabulous. So you think about it, no one's like no one's like, you know, 100 points, 200 penalty minutes like Kevin Stevens. But, you know, Gino's almost 100 100 penalty minutes. I mean, that's a power forward. That is a man right there.
5: Yeah, if he cuts down the penalty minutes a little bit, mm-hmm. then he's fine. He still has that Annoying habit to me, at least, of taking that occasional stupid minor that you have no business taking. In
8: the offensive zone. Yeah. Like a hook.
5: Why? (laughs) But
1: But to me, this stuff
5: is, it's fewer and further between.
1: This comes down to to depth for me. Obviously, Crosby and Giroux are going to get all the headlines, but then it's just wave after wave. How are you going to stop Malkin and Kessel and Hornquist and Gensel and like all these guys that are just going to be coming? Rusty. A big series from Rusty. to happen. this
5: could be a big moment for Pittsburgh because Philadelphia probably thinks it's going to win because the Eagles won and Villanova won, and they think all of a sudden they're on this yeah, magic, riding run. high, magical Villanova. run, and then uh, the Penguins have a chance to uh, put a Crush needle in that their balloon. Dreams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, put a cigarette in that sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Tyo did that to the Reds yesterday. How about uh, a complete game shutout, a one hitter?
0: Who are these pirates?
1: They're a 7-2 baseball team. It helps that they're playing teams that suck right out of the
0: gate. <laughs> hey, that's well, all right. Hey, they didn't, Give them a little confidence. Didn't do very
1: well against the Reds last year. No, they didn't. And it's the a Reds, great point. And the Reds suck. So take them while you can get them. Now I think I'm looking to, uh, to later this month, Mike. I think they have their first series against St. Louis here towards the end of April. And I'm really looking to see what the Pirates can do in that series and how many people show up. Because it's going to be a little bit warmer weather. It's easy to say, you would think, oh, the fans are staying away when it's 40 degrees. Well, 40, I, it's 30.
5: I'll say this one, <laughs> right. I, I thought for the opener that the weather was not a factor because traditionally the opener sells out. People deal with whatever. It's almost a sure. a rite of passage kind of thing that ah, you laugh about it if it's miserable and you just kind of suck was your really way through cold. Get Any game <laughs> after the opener and it's really cold. I went to one Saturday afternoon in Minnesota. It was 27 degrees. Oh, my God. Day.
0: Are you insane?
5: A little bit, yeah. I, I was definitely inebriated, so that helps. Uh, April baseball and bad weather is a challenge. But I, to your point, when the Cardinals come, if they're still playing well, and it looks like that might be an intriguing, um, semi-meaningful series, and the weather's good and they don't draw, then you know that the people are pissed. Mm-hmm got to love Tyon throwing a one hitter, though. Oh. It was awesome. You beat anybody. If the you're only guy that hitters. got a hit was the pitcher. Dominating stuff there in Chicago today. Uh, Von Nova against Tyler Chatwood. That's a 220 first pitch at Wrigley.
1: Yeah, Tyon, I watched that game yesterday. It was awesome. He got a lot of help in the field, especially even to end the game. Dickerson had like a shoestring catch. It was pretty, pretty sweet. But he threw 110 pitches, and 80 of them were fastballs. When, he, when he's working the fastball like that and he has the placement, just ridiculous to watch. You know, I
5: mean, it, it, it's a guy that uh, they've been anticipating great things, you know. Come, really going into last year, and then he had uh, the incredibly unfortunate situation with his testicular cancer. Right. Uh, he's good to go this year, and uh, boy, was that a dominating effort yesterday. Uh, you mentioned all the fastballs, Bill. Uh, tie on uh, 110 pitches, 67 of them went for strikes. Three ball counts. Three ball counts were rare. So that
1: when he's on like that, just had control. When it's that cold, pitch fast. Yeah. (laughs) And then they were, you know, they were kind of jagging him off yesterday after the game because the pitcher got the hit and he's like, I mean, I threw him a fastball. You know, that's the only pitch that pitchers can really hit. And I threw it to him and challenged him and he knocked it back at me. Yeah, two walks, one hit
5: batter, and one hit allowed. That was it. Hell of a performance. at
0: sports. Thanks, Mike. Joining us at 9.15, David Isaac. He is the Flyers beat writer for The Courier-Post and USA Today. Jerry Dulac joining us at 9.45 to talk the Masters. Joe Bartnick with us the rest of the morning as well. Don't forget... Your time is limited to get those videos in to win uh, tickets for this Wednesday's game between the Penguins and the Flyers at PPG Paints Arena. 5 o'clock tomorrow is the deadline. Just turn in a video telling us or showing us why you're the biggest Penguins fan and you have a chance to win. Go to dve.com slash contest for all of the details. Again, deadline to enter 5 o'clock tomorrow. It's the DVE Morning Show. It's the DVE Morning Show. I'm Val Porter with Bill Crawford, Mike Bursuita, Joe Rakiki running show uh, the show for us, our new producer. Randy is off today. Joe Bartnick joining us in studio. Thanks for coming back today. We That's, appreciate it.
1: <laughs> thanks for having me again. And great job on Friday night, dude. I went to the late show, see, saw you at the uh, the Benedum opening up for Billy Burr old billy freckles and you absolutely destroyed man great thanks
8: set. thanks yeah thank you the second show is second show was great the first show was good first show was good i hope everyone had a good time
1: it was good second show was one of those you know bill you, mm-hmm. you, you cry, it's rock and roll y'all dude it was it was electric and that place is huge i've never been in in the benedict before oh it's a yeah we should me and bill usually take a picture like looking up it's beautiful
8: Beautiful. They had those huge chandeliers. It's amazing.
0: Oh yeah, it's so, so many beautiful theaters. Down Three
1: thousand people just
0: crazy belly laughing,
1: <laughs> and Burr came out and was. I mean, his new hour is just incredible. It really we is. Crying. I'm not just
8: trying to shine them but it really is
1: and it was funny because we got to go backstage before the show and joe had all these meats from the macaroni
0: company <laughs> meat yeah
1: <laughs> well that's when we come to town we have to get on the strip we the
8: uh, pennsylvania macaroni company oh yeah i had spicy yabba gul. we had so we had the sharp you don't get the sharp provolone anywhere no but like pittsburgh nice. new york philly got the bread we had the stuffed olives bill's always like italians uh you guys the olives. I go, yeah, we see olives as an
1: opportunity.
4: <laughs> <laughs> My
1: backpack still smells like garlic. <laughs> and crown. Look, Joe had crown. This made me laugh so hard. All right? Joe's like, we're, we're going like right next door to a bar to have a couple beers afterwards. And Joe's like... Anybody want a roadie? And I'm like, nah, man, we got got like a 10-step walk to the bar. And Joe walks into the bar with the red cup. And not only is he not trying to conceal it, he's asking, like, the waitress where he can sit using the hand with the cup. He goes, where should we grab a seat? Like, here or there? And then nobody said anything to him. And it was great. We just had a blast all night. And uh, we took it deep, went back to Randy's house.
0: You greeted Saturday morning.
1: Oh, my God. They greeted me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know,
8: if you've had a few pops, how you might wake up with your clothes on.
0: Sure. Who hasn't?
8: If you had a few more pops, you might wake up with your shoes on. Okay. I woke up with my backpack on. (laughs) (laughs) Did you fall
1: asleep at Randy's? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what happened. I literally woke up, and I I thought I was at the
8: hotel, and I was on Randy's floor.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because you asked me when you came in this morning, hey, man, uh... Do you remember leaving on Saturday night and I said or Friday night and I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Oh, cuz I don't." And mainly cuz I didn't. <laughs> yeah, was, I don't know what happened. Nuts.
0: That is definitely not the first time that's happened at Randy's house.
1: No, not to me either. Maybe
0: not this month. I I've mean.
1: I've definitely passed out at Randy's before. And he was put <laughs> like I was in too bad a shape to even be put in an Uber. Man. You know, because he was doing that for a couple people, like just calling Ubers and and you sending can't. people out. Like, Maybe he was just carrier saving your wife pigeons, from you. huh?
0: Maybe he was just saving your wife from you.
1: No, that's true. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a you know, good call. That, that's probably what he was doing. His basement is a black hole, though. Oh, when she go down, you don't come oh, back yeah. up. He's got the you know the he's got the beers, and the funniest thing was, is Randy brought down like some beers. I think it was he brought down a couple Stellas, and he goes. Joe goes all these bougie beers. <laughs> you know, don't you have anything for a man? And I right there, oh my That's God. great. This is hilarious. Uh, and then we just laughed. I laughed till like three or three thirty, four o'clock in the morning. And I'm just—I I don't go out like that anymore. I was banged up for the entire day Saturday. Oh, I bet. I, I was th- in
8: bad shape. I was banged up too. But first, we had to go to Permanis. Then we went to the of Macaroni course. Company because Bill just wanted to go see it again. Uh-huh. And then we and then we drove to Cincinnati. Oh,
1: yeah, that's right. You had another show the next night. We yeah, had two
8: good shows. Cincinnati's a nice town. People are so nice in Cincinnati. I mean, I didn't run into Vontaze Perfect.
1: But. <laughs>
0: that's probably a good thing. <laughs> probably
1: good, yeah, for your Achilles heel or your, your For D. my knee.
0: And Ian Bagg with shows this weekend oh of the improv. You
1: went, yeah, you went and saw Ian, right? I went
0: Saturday night. We went for the first show, and then we hung out and had a drink with Ian afterwards and just ended up staying for the second show. The whole second show. So great. So pretty
5: th- much all of us were at various parts of the country drunk. Oh yeah. This week. Yeah. yeah. You went to the I, Frozen Four. Yeah, right? I, I was in St. Paul, Minneapolis for the Frozen <laughs> Four, and that was.
1: There were very few sober minutes. Libations were flowing.
0: I had four whole glasses of wine Saturday.
1: <laughs> what? Oh my God! I know. Did you wake up with your backpack on? <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. I That's know. crazy.
0: I didn't even want to dance after a glasses of wine. I feel go. like dancing. I feel like throwing up. <laughs> but yeah, he had great shows at at uh, the Improv all weekend long. It's awesome. So yeah, I fun. saw
1: Ian. I saw I saw Ian Thursday night. I saw Bill and and Joe and on Friday you, night. You
0: had a show Saturday. I had
1: a show on Saturday at the at the uh, in Avonworth, Yeah, the Marinix Center. Nice little ski lodge they have there. <laughs> and uh, I got to perform with Sean Collier and Jeff Kunkel. It was an awesome crowd. It was for a good cause. And and then, you know, Sunday I was just recovering. Done. Like I was just out of commission. And and my my uh my wife and my daughter got to go to see Pink on Saturday night. Man, big, it was big weekend. Kennedy's in town. first concert. Yeah, it was it was awesome. A lot of stuff going on.
0: You have a show this this Saturday too? Yeah.
1: I'm going to be at the Arcade Comedy Theater with Sean Collier and Ed Bailey. That's for one of his present shows.
0: Cool. Yeah. Get people out to see that show. Uh, so you're digging that first-round schedule.
1: Loving it. <laughs> Thank you, Florida Big Panthers. Big Florida Panthers yeah. fan
5: last night.
0: <laughs> Coming up uh, at 9.15, we'll talk with David Isaac. Uh, he is the Flyers beat writer, so we'll get his thoughts on the series. It starts on Wednesday. Jerry Dulac at 9.45. I'll have news up next. It's the DVE Morning Show. It's 29 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. The attorney for porn star Stormy Daniels is again trying to depose the president about that $130,000 in hush money his client allegedly received to not discuss an affair. The reported payment came right before the 2016 election years after the tryst in question. The motion filed in federal court in California yesterday is the lawyer's second attempt. a previous motion was stopped by a judge because of a legal paperwork technicality. The motion also seeks to question Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen. Daniel said she signed the non-disclosure agreement, but that it is not valid because Trump never signed it. Facebook will begin letting users know today whether their data was shared with Cambridge Analytica. Users of the social media giant will see a Protecting Your Information link at the top of their news feed with information on how to prevent their data from being shared. Users who have already had their data breached will see an additional message which reads... We have banned the website This Is Your Digital Life, which one of your friends used Facebook to log into. We did this because the website may have misused some of your Facebook information by sharing it with a company called Cambridge Analytica. Uh, That company was a political data mining firm and is accused of collecting data on 87 million users to influence voter opinion on behalf of political groups who hire them. Uh, The guy who started that company says it's probably way more than that. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg will be before Congress on Wednesday. And YouTube is facing accusations that it is illegally collecting data on children. A complaint filed with the Federal Trade Commission says the Google-owned company has violated the Child Online Privacy Protection Act. That law requires parental consent for collecting info on kids under 13. Kids that young aren't technically allowed to have a YouTube account, but millions of children watch content aimed at young people on the site. The complaint alleges that advertisers have found ways to target children. YouTube says it is evaluating that complaint.
1: I mean, that's honestly the the reason more than anything else that I don't want my daughter to have a phone yet, she's in fourth grade, is because of, you know, just what is available. I know you can can set all types of parental controls and stuff like that, but, you know, these kids walking around with their phones, other than it screwing up their brain at this early of an age, just what they can see out there and then what can be manipulated and extracted from their
0: phones. And they're smart. I know someone with a six-year-old who tried to open a Facebook account. What? Yeah, but she was blocked for whatever reason.
8: Well, my daughter's thirteen, and all she watches is YouTube videos. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's all she watches. Yep, that's my my kids can sit there and watch. Like, there's, I I think I've told you this before, Val. There's like, yeah, well, there'll be like this girl, this little girl opening toys. Just opening toys like her her and she, her dad do, do this have video reviews
0: on them or? she
1: just opens them up and plays with them. I swear to God they can sit there for four hours and watch another kid play with toys
8: no it is amazing like people would make fun of us like watching mr. Ed or something stupid <laughs> right. well the kids today watch really stupid stuff as well so stupid the kids today watch other kids playing video games I know and I'm like to my daughter I'm like it's bad enough if you want to play video games yeah and not go outside and shoot hoops but now you're just watching other people play video games
1: like go outside whenever I was growing up like I watched other kids play video games but that was was just like my jag off friends that wouldn't let me play when I was at their house.
0: Well, right, you were in the same room.
1: Yeah, you weren't watching <laughs> sitting a video. on the bed waiting to get a turn. Like, yeah. come on, dude, give up the controller.
0: Well, and I think there was some weird trend for a while of watching women eat, which I'm sure is some weird fetish. Hmm. But
1: oh, did you ever see? Oh my God, I can't remember what they are now. This is there are there are dudes out there who are obsessed with like super obese women. And they want to just feed them. And there's videos online of them basically just feeding these women. You know, just like, hey, I'll bring the party. I got all the snacks. That is hot. And just I'll feed you. And I don't know, with a catapult like a
8: petting at some zoo. point.
0: Yeah, right, right.
8: <laughs> we go to South Park. I remember getting like attacked by a llama or something when I was a little kid. I'm uh, still scared of wild animals. Bill it.
0: was stunned to find out there were buffalo in South Park.
1: Couldn't believe it. Yeah, are they still there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. we just went to see them a couple months ago. The same guy, still there, like 105. <laughs> right. Well, no, I was also stunned to find out that they can <laughs> run 35 miles an hour. Val seemed to think that that was just common knowledge. I was like, what? That <laughs> shocked me. And that was me. your
0: exact reaction. <laughs> what? What?
1: <laughs> I was just
0: shocked to think of those Big ass animals trucking Thundering like Thundering across the plains. Well,
1: they live, they have them on that reserve that's like a hillside. Yeah. So it's not like they have a lot of flat land where they can
0: Thunder. you know, pick
1: up some speed. Like they probably don't <laughs> want to, all you would have to do is juke one time and they'd break their ankles and do 18 cartwheels down the hill. <laughs> what kind of fence is it? It's a big one. Like a tall chain link fence.
8: Okay, it's a strong fence. I was in Alaska. I went to a game reserve one time, and they had all these animals. It was cool. They had, like eagles were like pigeons. They were everywhere. <laughs> we're driving around, and there were some grizzlies. And I guess they were kind of well fed. So they go, "Get on, take a picture." Now oh we, I was God. very far away. They go, "Okay, get to take a picture." So I kind of okay, wave, <laughs> boom, great picture, something fun, you know? Hey, look, I was in Alaska. Yeah, the
0: wildlife. Yeah.
8: Then there was a couple moose. And they were a little bit closer. They're no the size way. of SUVs. Oh, I know. Oh, and yeah. I got out, they're about to take the picture of me waving. <sighs> that thing snorted. I jumped about 500 <laughs> feet and ran. <laughs> I've never been so scared in my life. Yeah. These are huge. They're the size of an SUV. Like I it- know.
1: I. Y- it's so funny that you say that because moose is one of those animal where you just, you know you see you see them on TV or something. You never you just don't have that animal in your mind as like oh my god that would be scary to see you in have person. No
0: perspective on the size. This oh.
1: family took me on a ski trip back in the day. It was right around Christmas, and we went one of the most awesome trips I've ever been on, uh, they took us snowmobiling through Yellowstone Park. And all of a sudden we come around this bend and there was a moose. And the 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 kid's mom who brought me on the trip saw the moose, gunned the snowmobile, and gunned it like right into a bunch of other snowmobiles. And there was like this huge <laughs> oh, wreck because it was so scary. Like just to see it in person – You know that the the world's biggest horse that they have like at the Butler County Fair or something, where it's like an eight foot horse. That's what these moose are,
0: and they have giant horns.
1: It's I don't know how they attack you. I guess with their horns. It is the size of an Escalade. Yeah, (laughs) like it is so. And the fence was
8: like a fence that you wouldn't you'd be scared if like a collie came running at you. (laughs) It was like one little barbed wire, and I'm just like, "Ah!" yeah. Get out of here.
0: Well, speaking of wildlife, an Ohio man must not have any shoes or rolled up magazines at home. That was probably the only way to explain why he tried to use fire to kill insects and ended up burning down his house. Uh, This happens way more than you would imagine, because I feel like I talk about it Mm -hmm. like five times a year. Investigators say the homeowner was fed up with insects crawling around his two family house. He tried to fix the problem by lighting them on fire. But the blaze started on the second floor, quickly spread. Both families inside the house were able to evacuate safely after the fire, which caused an estimated $20,000 in damages. The local fire chief issued a reminder and a warning saying, we always recommend to have a professional if you have a rodent or insect problem to alleviate that problem and not use open flames.
1: Yeah. I mean, was he using the uh, the white white trash blowtorch with I don't know a lighter and some Aquanet? Did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but knowing how this is how bad stink bugs are around here, Joe, I've thought about doing that with stink bugs.
1: Yeah, because like, you want to send a you On
0: fire? Oh no, I can't do I that. I want his
1: family dead <laughs> by gir- fire.
8: My grandfather blew up a hornet's nest once doing that. Really? With not with Aquanet net. He uh, with <laughs> a, a little gasoline in his. in,
0: in a rag and you put. A,
8: th- no, and his camel.
0: <laughs> oh,
8: camel cigarette. It was funny because there was a hornet's nest, and my grandfather just don't go back there. You know, like, just don't go back there. What are you going back for? And then our dog, Tammy, got her nose bit her oh, no. stung. Mm-hmm. And that would, don't, don't mess with my yeah. grandfather's dog. He went back there, poured a little gasoline, just threw like sticker. Boom.
0: All business. Blew it
8: up.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I, I told I, a
0: story here about when I was a kid, like you wrap rags around a stick and light it on fire and then try to burn the nest. <laughs> They're like, where did you grow up? I know, This is why
1: I thought you grew up on a farm, Val, because you're using instruments that were like medieval torches. (laughs) Yeah, that can't be safe. No, it's definitely not safe.
0: (laughs) How many times do you wear your underwear before you wash them?
1: Um, Just the once. You don't have
0: to answer that if you don't want to. A new survey found 31% of men and 10% of women wear their underwear two times or more. Before they wash them, 3% turn them inside out before they wear them the second time. Uh, 26% of women wear a bra at least five times before they wash it. 6% wear it at least 10 times. And 31% wear their gym clothes at least three times before they wash them. They must not be working up a yeah, sweat. Yeah, you're not
1: working out hard enough. Not going to the beak room. No.
0: <laughs> right.
1: No, they're not getting a sweaty stretch in. They're just going there and I don't know sitting in the, uh, the locker room
0: in music news, Richie, Twitter, S- Richie Sambora is reporting that rehearsing with Bon Jovi for the band's induction into the rock and roll hall of fame was a wonderful experience. The guitarist said in a recent interview that it felt great to see everybody and that the reunion wasn't awkward at all. He said the chemistry came back really quickly. Richie quit the band in 2013, which initially caused friction between him and longtime friend and band namesake John Bon Jovi. Uh, the band will be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this Saturday in Cleveland. Divorce is an expensive process, but Russell Crowe got a little bit of financial help to the tune of $3.7 million dollars. The Oscar winner raked in the cash Saturday night at Sotheby's auction designed to fund his split from ex-wife Danielle Spencer. The Art of Divorce, which took place in Sydney on his 54th birthday, offered more than 200 of his belongings, including movie memorabilia, artwork and instruments. Among the bestsellers was a breastplate that he wore in Gladiator. It sold uh, alone for $125,000. Russell and his wife separated in two thousand twelve, but the divorce is just now being finalized. Did
1: you did you say this in the story? Were they basically splitting that? I think so. Or was he doing that just solely to raise money because he got crushed in the uh, the the settlement?
0: Yeah, I am not sure which uh, side of the divorce this is on.
1: Because that makes sense to me. Like if you break up with somebody, you know, you are probably going to have to sell some of your stuff because you know you are going to be less in the uh, the net worth pretty considerably (laughs) especially if you're loaded yeah my wife will just be like you can just have all your acdc cds i don't care (laughs) (laughs) the weirdest breakup ever was i remember j-lo and mark anthony broke up and they both released a single i'm like usually when you break up with somebody you lose a song these guys are putting (laughs) out an extra tune i'm like that's not how it works
0: they both have to recover uh, finally, Hooters is celebrating an original cult classic film. The restaurant chain is teaming up with Super Troopers 2 and launching a limited edition snozberry sauce to celebrate the movie. Time with the movie's release on April 20th, Hooters will release the sauce across the U.S. and Canada and will be offering free delivery of the sauce in smoked wings. So again, that movie coming out on uh, April 20th forecast today cloudy and cold a little bit of snow a little bit of rain looks like a little bit of sun right now trying to peak out 40 degrees for the high today it's 30 degrees now at dve joining us uh flyers beat writer david isaac of the courier post in usa today getting ready for wednesday's game first game in the series against the flyers here at ppg paints arena good morning david
11: good morning thanks for having
0: me thanks for joining us um you know the penguins course uh, we've been talking about it a little bit this morning penguins swept the flyers in the regular season does that matter at all now
11: well i think we've seen in this rivalry within the last 10 years or so kind of a couple ebbs and flows there were a couple years when the flyers seemed to have the penguins number and now it seems to be reversed i don't know that the the regular season uh head-to-head matchup means quite as much as as the flyers kind of thinking in their recent memory what's gone on and, and uh especially in Pittsburgh where they used to have their way with the Penguins. I think they, there is an element of them being in their heads, but uh even though two of those losses for the Flyers came in overtime, I think it, it might feel a little bit more daunting than that.
1: Dave, we're uh we're sort of in the Pittsburgh bubble here as I'm sure that that most Philly fans are in uh in in Philadelphia. But uh you know, we're 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 talking about how uh in this series in the playoffs Chris Letang, one of our superstars, has got to play well. But in Philly, I know they're talking about Simmons having to step up because he's had a sort of, he's had a year that's been plagued by injury. How important is it for him to step up in this series if the Flyers have a shot?
11: Yeah, he's definitely one of them that, that needs to to come forward a little bit and kind of regain his power forward touch, which hasn't been the case the last couple of months. Here, he opened the, the regular season with a hat trick and. Uh I think had the first three flyers wins Simmons had each one of the game winning goals, so he was a very big piece of the puzzle for them early on, battled a couple of injuries uh, i I think that down the stretch here he's he's looked like a guy who's probably going to be pretty prominent on that uh, end of season injury list whenever we <laughs> we do see that whenever uh the the flyer's close season run ends up being over uh yeah Simmons will definitely be a big key for them, but I think for the flyers it's about defending the, the Penguins down the middle. When you look at Crosby, Malkin, and Broussard, and I, I obviously you guys would know more than, than I would here, I assume Broussard will be ready to go in some form for game one. Uh, I think that's going to be the biggest test for the Flyers.
5: David, the, the regular season records are what they are given the formats now, but the, the Flyers got a lot of overtime points, which they can't rely on anymore, and the Penguins got a lot of juice out of three-on-three overtime, which they can't rely on anymore. Which team is uh, more impacted by uh, now having to play legit overtime for as long as it takes?
3: Uh, that's that's uh, That
11: one's a little too close to call for me. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I think, yeah, as you mentioned, the Flyers have done really well. The fewer people are, are, are on the ice. The four-on-fours, the, four the three-on-threes uh, in the regular season, they've done really well when there's more ice to skate on. Uh, but but I think you, you know the Flyers have had to play in such a way that these past couple months, um, maybe the last month and a half, where they're they're almost in playoff mode already because it seems like every time they make a mistake, it ends up in the back of their net. So I think they might have a little bit more of a heightened awareness of of kind of the risks of of uh, playoff hockey, even though they do have uh, quite a number of rookies where where this is their first time through. So I think the Flyers might be a little bit more used to. So some of the, the, the pressures and the risks that come with uh, hockey in spring.
8: Hey Dave, in the middle of the season the Flyers were kind of in the free fall and um Hextall might have been on you know on his way out and then Hexdall kinda of gave him a uh, vote of confidence. Uh what do you is that what turned the season around or what do you think turned the season around for the Flyers?
11: As strange as it is to say when you look at his his statistics, Brian Elliott has actually had his worst year in, in the last three. But he was just kind of steady. And you guys have heard about Philadelphia goaltending for decades. It's Mm -hmm. always been the topic of conversation that there's just no consistency in there. He was consistent when the rest of the team was not. So uh, even though the Flyers lost 10 straight, he wasn't playing quite that bad. And everybody else kind of had to rise up to his level. Uh, They went out on a Western Canada road trip that included a back-to-back one, uh, all three of the games in four days or five days, whatever it was. Uh, and, and that is where their, their season turned around. Whether the coach had a whole lot to do with that, I'm not so sure. I think it was more kind of internal in that Flyers room, uh, where, where they said, and, and it was kind of annoying for us as reporters here to, to hear that they lost 10 in a row. And even though they went 05 and 5, oh, well, we're still playing well. We're, we're getting points. And it's like, yeah, but you lose 10 in a row. It's not just a coincidence, you know? So, uh, I, I think that the players kind of had a heart to heart with one another rather than the coach having a big impact there.
0: David, what is the uh, the biggest weakness you see with the Flyers that the Penguins could take advantage of? Is it goaltending?
11: Uh, well, it, it may be just because Brian Elliott had missed uh, seven weeks after uh, surgery to repair a, a muscle in his abdomen. He played the final two regular season games, and the last one, quite frankly, was against the Rangers' farm team because they had nothing to play for. They had mostly their American League lineup in there. Uh, the Flyers only faced... 17 shots, which is a season low, so he's he's very untested, but I think their biggest weakness is probably their defensive depth. Uh, their their third pair of Brandon Manning and Radko Gudis has not been very good for several weeks. Uh, the coach has certainly put his faith in it, uh, certainly kind of pumped them up off the ice and said that they're playing well, but you look at the turnovers that they're making and that's clearly not the case, so uh, I, I think that certainly the, the defensive depth, and, and you can even extend that a little bit and and say that uh, they're they're bottom two centers, Yuri Laterra and Valtteri Filppula, and none of the Penguins are going to have any trouble beating either of them in a foot race.
5: David, uh, will Jason Kelsey have anything to do with this? Is he going to show up <laughs> in the Flyers' mummer suit and sing the Eagles' song again? And is that something that the rest of the world just can't deal with?
4: <laughs> yeah,
11: you know they had some pre-recorded videos up on the jumbotron here in Philly. Ever, you know he's he'll never have to pay for a drink in this city again
4: uh, <laughs>
11: after that that uh, Super Bowl parade performance that he had. Uh, as far as I know, he was only around the team the, the the one time when I think it was the day that they recorded all that. But uh, they they might be pulling out a couple more stops here in Philly. I think uh, Sylvester Stallone was in here to film the. 11th rocky movie or whatever maybe you'll see him up on the big screen
0: flyers fans must just have such high hopes for this series because of the eagles win in villanova
11: yeah and and when you look at what the 76ers have done to a 50 win season for them they've won 14 straight now it's it's starting to become contagious, people prematurely uh, calling it the city of champions. I think you're going to have to mm-hmm. prove a little bit more than than that to uh, uh, develop a reputation that spreads across multiple sports. But, yeah, I, I think that uh, certainly there's an excitement to this Flyers team. But at the same time, I think that excitement is really because they they came back from the dead of that 10-game losing streak. The expectation was for them to be a bubble team. Um, I don't know how many in this city really expect them to beat the Penguins, though, just because they're the two-time defending champions, because so much has changed on on both rosters and, quite frankly, in the NHL uh, since the, the last time they met in the playoffs six years ago.
0: This rivalry is not as nasty and vicious as it used to be, is it?
11: No, I've been writing that for you know, pretty much the whole season. And, you know, I, I talked to a couple of the Flyers and said, What well, what is it about this? And actually, it was Wayne Simmons specifically. who said, yeah, look at that 2012 series. I think Matt Cook was still in Pittsburgh. I think the Flyers still had Aaron Asham. Dan Carcillo might have been playing for one of those teams because those guys just can't exist in the NHL anymore. Uh Obviously, the Penguins started the year with Ryan Reeds, and, and he ended up... uh you know in in Vegas now but i uh, i think that it's just hard for kind of those guys are an endangered species so uh, a lot of times guys uh have to have the skill to play between the whistles and and you don't see a whole lot of that that hatred and certainly don't see it from the the personality of the the Philadelphia coach you're not going to see Dave Axel standing up on the boards
4: mm-hmm.
11: uh screaming like a banshee like Peter Laviolette
5: did. <laughs> David, I, I, I miss Peter Laviolette because of that. <laughs> me too. <laughs>
0: thanks, David. David Isaac, beat writer for the Flyers for the Courier Post in USA Today. Appreciate you joining us this morning. Yep, thanks for having me. Mike Persuda up next with a full sports report. It's the DVE Morning Show. From the... This-
5: DVE Sports. So what you're saying, Val, because of that implosion of Route 30, it's going to be a lot harder to rock on to Electric Avenue.
0: <laughs> a little bit.
5: At least for a few months, Mike. <laughs> We're not going to be taking it higher anytime soon. No,
0: definitely not.
5: No, yeah. Well, got to, got to work around it. Sports is hour, <laughs> yeah. uh, brought to you by Caseta by Lutron Smart Lighting Controls. Penguins are getting ready for the Flyers Wednesday night game one of round one, and they are going for their third consecutive Stanley Cup championship. That's pretty heady stuff. It's happened five times previously in NHL history. Three teams have done it five times. Canadians in Toronto have done it twice, and the Islanders did it once. It doesn't happen a lot. Uh three-peat of a pretty special achievement. Especially now in the free agency era. In the cap era, uh, mm-hmm. Penguins uh, doing some historical things of late. How'd they get here? Why have they uh, done what they've done? Why are they continuing to do what they do? Well, let's, uh, let's rewind back to the first round, or actually to be uh, more accurate, The days between the first round and the second round in 2016. Mike Sullivan had gotten here the previous December. Then the Penguins beat the Rangers in the first round. They were getting ready for the Caps in the second round. And I talked to him about how and why he was able to get the Penguins mentally tougher, to get them uh, more resilient and get them able to compete the way he obviously had at that point. Here was the response. Again, this is before Sullivan's first cup on what had changed.
6: It was something when I, when I took this team over that I challenged our guys um, to become a more resilient group, and it was, it was based on my experience of coaching against them for a number of years uh, when I was coaching with the New York Rangers, and I felt that that was an area where we could get better. And so uh, we challenged our group in that area, and I think it has become a strength of our team. And I give um, full credit to our leadership group uh, starting with Crosby, um, but certainly our our veteran established guys, Gino, uh, Matt Cullen, Chris Kunitz, Chris Letang. These guys have taken the charge, uh, taken the lead in that regard, and uh, they've done a tremendous job. I, in in my opinion, they they play through a lot. Uh, they're elite players. They play through a lot, and they've had an unwavering focus here as far as trying to play the game the right way.
5: Now unsaid but obviously implied is they were soft yes but you you've heard coaches speak for a long time you got to get mentally tougher you got to fight through the stuff that uh, you weren't expecting or the, the stuff that doesn't go your way they've had the core and they still have the core. It's changed a little bit but it still starts with Sidney Crosby and that's why they're starting on Wednesday uh, on the quest for cup number three
6: you talk about if football. I come into this, this dressing room and I, and I ask the question, how many guys want to win, everybody will raise their hand. But the willingness to do what it takes to win is what separates the great from others, and that's a daily endeavor. And that's something that we pursue here with our whole team. We talk about it daily, and we try to hold ourselves to a certain standard, and I think Sid represents that standard.
5: When you first got here, the kind of narrative was got to teach them how to be resilient, got to teach them how to be mentally tougher. The almost short version of what's happened between then and now is you reminded them how to compete and then the will to win has taken it from there. Yeah, I I
6: think one of the particular challenges our team had was their ability to to react and respond to the challenges that the game presents, the adversities, the, the things don't always go your way it 's just the way it is in sports and and what's what's most important isn't the fact that something doesn't go your way it's how do you respond in order to 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 make it go your way and 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 try to impose your will to create the result that you're looking for and so um, that was something when I took the to the team over that I thought was important for our team if we were going to get to where we wanted to go and win championships and so you know that was one of my initial challenges to this group was how do we become a team that's more resilient how do we become a team that uh, shows the necessary resolve that when things don't go our way that we respond the right way you know and and there were plenty of examples of it where you know early on uh early on in, in my tenure that we had a hard time coming back from deficits if we were down goals in games and we found ways what what was once a weakness of this group became a strength.
5: That was Sullivan in January, It's sounding a lot like he did in 2016. The message is still true. The message works if you just play the right way, as he loves to say. They had that in, inscribed in their Stanley Cup rings last year on the inside. They have the talented core. If they just play the right way, percentages say that it's going to work out more often than not. And the last two years... Say it's worked out every time. So,
8: isn't that? So why
5: not this time?
8: Isn't that the switch that they flick on? I think that is, Joe. Mm-hmm. I think it is. Just boom. Yeah. And it's what it all changed with Sully. It was overnight. All of a sudden, you had. Almost, wasn't it? Horny, rusty. These guys coming in. Yeah, who cares? They get hit, cheap shot. They just keep coming
5: at you. And, and, he, and no whining. It, was, it, it changed like instantly. And here's to me the genius of Sullivan. It's not uh, how they dial up the four check or which defense was playing on the left or which one's on the right. He pushes these guys' buttons, and he comes in and inherits a team that he knows from coaching against. You can get under their skin and get them off their game, and they'll fall apart like a a cheap suit. Fold like origami. Because that's what they are. And he doesn't come in and say, you guys are weak, you guys are soft. He says, we have to be more resilient. We have to have more resolve. And then as soon as it starts happening, he credits the players for being that and credits the leadership group. And it's just flowed since then. He, he, yeah, he is. Uh, he's really been the right guy in the right place at the right time, and he's taken it. Uh, the core is basically the same, and they had some good teams after 2009 that didn't win w- with the with the 2009 core. And now that's changed a lot since then in terms of personnel. But you still have Crosby, you still have Malkin, you still have Latang, you still have some big time performers that, if they're just committed to the cause.
8: 40 for James Neal. What a move. I uh, Honestly, like move. I
1: was going to say that that's probably the, the number one piece of Sullivan's legacy to this team, the way he just got them all to buy in to change their game just a little bit. But Rutherford has to be mentioned in all this too because yeah. he basically said, all right, now we need guys that are going to play like this. We, that He went out and got speed and grit. And the, the drafting and a lot of it
5: was done by Ray Shiro and these guys have started to, to it, find their NHL – strides now uh talking about the uh, the rusts and the the connor Sher- sherrys and uh his willingness to play young guys too not like ah oh, these guys we're, we're gonna
8: trade the trading deadline get a bunch of old grizzled veterans that haven't won anything no let's let's play let's play the young kids do he came in just great and, and I'll tell you what Gonchar
5: Sarge what a re- remarkable job he's done yeah he <laughs> doesn't get enough credit you're right um this is a team that you know the intangibles matter and the, the the all the stuff that it can sound cliched when you talk about commitment and attention to detail. You hear it so much, it it almost you almost get numb to it if if you allow yourself to. But that's really what separates. What did Sullivan say? There's there's a difference. That's what separates those who are great from everybody else. And there's a lot of talented teams and there's a lot of teams that are capable, but the Penguins have a track record of performing. And they they maximize their potential. Uh, If they do that again this postseason, they're going to be a tough out. And you know what I
1: think is going to come into play, honestly, Mike, is now the the way that the Penguins have just rolled in these last two cup runs is we're going to start to have some of the Patriots effect where if we get up in a series or if we get up in a game, teams just crap their pants and don't know what to do and they just give up a stupid goal or – you know, try a little too hard and give yeah. up all these odd man rushes. Yeah, and that's another
5: one of the points that you hear Sullivan reference a lot is the pushback when, you know, give up one, don't give up two or three. Find that situation in the game where it's getting away from you and get it back before it gets out of hand. You know, that's what you think
8: about every series. Sully's 8-0. You got to beat Sid and Geno and Mr. Murray 4 out of 7.
1: We and while see. you're worrying about those three, you got Phil the Thrill <laughs> 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 shooting a, a crazy release wrister how about, right I mean, in the back of the neck. I would think at this point,
5: I, I would perceive the Penguins to be an underdog in an Eastern Conference final against Tampa or Boston. But there's a lot of hockey to be played between now and then. That could change.
8: Uh, absolutely. Uh, how about Phil just owning Babrowski? Was that ridiculous on oh. Thursday? That wrister?
5: Just awesome. From
8: 60 feet, you couldn't see it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Penguins and Flyers begin their playoff series Wednesday night, 7 o'clock at PPG Paints Arena, and we've got a pair of tickets to the game. You just have to make a quick video... And tell us why you're the biggest fan, why you deserve the tickets. Uh, you will hopefully win them. Deadline to enter. This is a quick one. Deadline to enter 5 o'clock tomorrow. We'll announce the winner Wednesday morning at 9 a.m.
1: Don't overthink this. Right. And make Use sure your passion.
0: Make sure you're free Wednesday night to go to the game.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you that's might be important. The winner. Right. <laughs> right. People win contests and then can't cash if, in on the prize, and it shocks me.
0: If you have a big important thing lined up Wednesday night that doesn't involve the Penguins, maybe don't enter. Try next time.
1: Like show us your closet like if you had like I know I know Joe probably has like 17 jerseys in his you know in his closet. That could just be like show us all your pens gear swag. You know if you have a whole game room set up with all that stuff.
0: Yeah, get all the details speak on Speak the- from the heart. On what to put in your video and how to submit. Get it at dve.com slash contests. Churches performed on the Honda Stage. Honda, proud to feature exclusive performances from breakout band churches. Check out their new single, Get Out. Exclusive access to performances at iHeartRadio.com slash Honda Stage. Wherever your path takes you, Honda celebrates the creativity and drive it takes to get there. Jerry Dulac, up next, talking the Masters on the DVE Morning Show. DVE Morning Show. Randy Bauman on vacation this morning, uh, but joining us now jerry dulac good morning jerry good morning hello. jerry yeah <laughs> hello i don't have that at my fingertips hello. hello
4: hello
0: uh jerry dulac i believe at the masters he's maybe he we have a Sounds connection like we, have we got him there jerry
4: hi val How are you? Oh, he he hey good
0: morning hey. We had too many pimento hey, sandwiches yesterday or what is that stuff they sell down there is that yeah, it
10: pimento cheese Pimento cheese sandwiches, uh, and I, I I can't tell you the price because I, fortunately, don't have to buy them. They feed us in a media center. Oh. But my friend Michael Chalik, who was down here during the week, he bought, he got two pimento cheese sandwiches, a bag of chips, a cookie, and a drink. How much do you think? It's actually pretty reasonable there, right?
0: Yeah, that's what I've heard.
10: Very reasonable. Eight dollars.
0: $8. Crazy. What?
10: That's crazy.
0: In those places, it would be $8 just for the cookie.
10: Right, exactly. (laughs) Imagine getting those prices at PNC Park or Heinz Field.
0: People
1: might show up to PNC Park. Yeah, they might have to
5: lower some. (laughs) some, Right,
6: Right, exactly. Hey, Jerry,
5: Patrick Reed, uh, how many Masters champions have spent uh, a couple summers back whacking it around Diamond Run?
10: Yeah, uh, Mikey, uh, when he was about five, uh, his dad was transferred in here. And uh, I was about for a summer or two, um, but you know, long, long before he got started doing anything. But uh, even at that time, the pro told me, uh, you know, afterward, he said that when he was when he saw him like at five, he would say to him, "Don't change anything you're doing. You like the way he was swinging and hitting it then." So, yeah, he had a brief layover here in Pittsburgh for a year or two. So, so do we claim Pittsburgh this? To, Is this a well, Mike? <laughs> if they, I was going to say if they want to claim him, they they can. To a degree, he wasn't born here, <clears throat> but based on uh, some of Patrick Reed's personality and his transgressions with his parents, I'm not sure the people of Pittsburgh would want to claim him.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I was. I was kind of shocked by watching yesterday because he seemed to be, you, you know, an unlikable guy in terms of uh, a Masters champion. I mean, I, I know that he's he's modeled his game after Tiger, but but not like post. <laughs> not post uh, divorce and split up, Tiger. Uh, I, it just seemed like his his likability just wasn't. I don't know. I just I, I tuned in and I see people cheering for Rory McIlroy and and Spieth and all the other guys and 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 not him. And,
10: well, Spieth, Spieth, Billy, you get as an American, but uh, it was very apparent to me on the second hole when I was out there with those guys that uh, when Rory stuffed it on number two, the par five, and the way the crowd erupted, there was no question who they were pulling for. They were pulling for the guy from Northern Ireland, not mm-hmm. from the guy who played golf in Augusta, Georgia, uh, you know, collegiately. So, yeah, Patrick Reed is not a guy who's uh, that, that the people are going to endear themselves to. Um, but, you know, he's, he's well, he's a bulldog on the course, and he's a pit bull off it. And, but why
1: um, why is know, that, though, Jerry? Like, what, why don't... I, I
10: think... I think because Billy, I think they know some of his past. Uh, you know the stories about. Yeah, for those of us who don't he, know, did
5: he flunk out of Georgia, or was it discipline? Or-
10: well, well, he was almost kicked out of Georgia, and then that's how he ended up at, a, at Augusta State, and he won a couple national titles there. So there's no question
4: uh-huh. about
10: uh, his playing credentials. But I, I believe the story, Val, is that. Um, you know he's he's somewhat estranged from his parents that they weren't even invited to his own wedding and that he had them escorted off a course or or, or something one time. So I don't have all, I don't know all the details intimately, but those are the kinds of things that have happened in the past and uh, that uh, you know off the course with him with his family that uh, you know it just people you know that kind of frames who he is that people don't like.
5: It's hmm. a it's a great, it's a great yeah. story for golf though, right? Well, it's a great
10: story for hockey, Mike. I think, or wrestling. <laughs> you know, but I'm
5: not
10: so. I'm not so sure about golf. But, well, not uh, if, hey, if hey, they're tuning in to
5: heel. If they're tuning in to Rudy gets the it. guy, they're tuning in, you right?
10: Not Billy. They had a heel with Tiger, and <laughs> now Tiger's warm and fuzzy, and everybody allegedly likes him because he smiles on the on the golf course. But uh, hey, he, hey, you How know, he Patrick do? Reed won them. Won the Masters, and uh, I give him credit. It was impressive how he played for four days, including yesterday. He never really blinked when he easily could have, when uh, those guys were chasing him. Uh, you know, particularly Jordan Spieth.
5: Now it's a breakthrough for him. Is it? Is it oh, just a one? You know, it was his weekend, or is he on another level now? And is he going to be around for a while?
10: Well, you know, Mike, I don't know. I don't know about another level, but I, he's not a one and done guy because you know he's he's been a, an American hero for, for the Ryder Cup. He's won a couple other tournaments. Um, I don't know, you know, I, I don't christen guys, uh, you know, the, the next great thing after one major, but I think he's a guy capable uh, of, of, of winning another for sure, um, maybe even more so than Ricky Fowler. While I think Ricky Fowler is very talented, um, uh, and, and I don't want to, uh, you know, kind of poo-poo what he did yesterday, But it was somewhat Ricky Fowler. You know, when he's back in the pack, he makes a push and gets up in the top five. And when he has the lead, he chokes it away. So, um, you know, until he does it. Now, I know he did it at the Players' Championship a couple years ago with one of the great finishes of all time. But until he does it in a major, you know, all this talk about how tremendous Ricky Fowler is. And there's Patrick Reed, never blinked with those guys chasing him when he had the lead, and uh, you know I, I give him credit for that.
1: I was listening to some of the guys talk about him, and I don't watch enough golf. Uh, let me rephrase that: I don't watch golf um, <laughs> enough to know when they said, uh, "Oh, you know, he's a guy that plays in a way where you got to go catch him. He doesn't let you get back in it." I, I don't understand what that means. If if you're well, does that mean he's just being super aggressive even when he has a lead and try to eagle holes, or what, what does that mean?
10: Well, it, what it means is they're uh, uh one hundred two and one and one when they have the lead by more than ten points going into the fourth quarter. Whatever Bill Cower's record was.
4: <laughs> uh, okay,
10: so I, I think what it means, Billy, is that uh, you know, no, he's just a guy who's not going to make a mistake, and that's what happened yesterday. And whenever he made a small mistake, like he bogeyed eleven, which was his last bogey, came right back with that big birdie at twelve. Then he got the break at 13, the par five, where his ball stayed on the bank, and so he got a little good fortune there, which you know that happens with winners. And then he follows that up with a with a birdie at 14, the hole he never birdied in all his previous Masters appearances. So um, I, I think that that's kind of what they mean. He's just not going to be one who's going to give give the lead back to you. You have to go take it from him. And Jordan Speeth tried uh, awfully hard to do so. I tell you, it was it was great theater with what uh, Speeth was doing yesterday. Uh, it it'll go down as one of the mo- most remarkable for pre- performances in Masters history for a guy who didn't win the green jacket. Yeah, what was
1: impressive. he nine back at the beginning of the day?
10: Yeah, and you know the the largest comeback ever at the Masters was uh, at, was eight, and you know he started the day figuring, look, I I can't win. I'm just going to go out. He said this Saturday after the third round, you know, I'm just going to go out and have a stress-free round and enjoy myself. Well, it was stress-free until we birdied number five. That uh, was his third birdie of the day. And all of a sudden you start thinking, hey, wait a minute. And then he makes a couple more birdies. He makes the turn in 31, five under par. And now he's only four back heading to the back nine. And then, you know, then more birdies. He birdies 12, the hole that cost him a couple years ago, he makes that great shot at 13, makes birdie there, although kind of disappointing because he, he could have made eagle. And uh, now all of a sudden it's game on. And when he made the putt on 16, now he's tied for the lead. So it was really it was really uh, uh, entertaining stuff yesterday.
0: Jerry Dulac, thank That's you awesome. so much for joining us this morning. It was nice to see green grass and flowers and mm-hmm. trees.
10: <laughs> Wasn't it, though, Val? Yes, it was. And sun, sunshine, no ah. white stuff on the ground, except you see pollen on the cars. But uh, So
1: beautiful. Yeah, Nobody we'll yelling dilly-dilly. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was really special. No,
10: we didn't. Have, no dilly-dillies. Yep.
0: All right. Thanks, Jerry. Very
10: entertaining. All right. See you guys. See you, Jerry.
0: Thanks also to David Isaac, uh, Flyers beat writer for the Courier Post in USA Today, Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, and Joe Bartnick, thank you for joining us again today. Bonus Bartnick. Yeah, great time <laughs> right. with you for the last week. Overtime. I know. It's been
8: so much fun. You guys are the best. Thanks for having me. And uh, let's go, Pens.
0: Anything you want to hear uh, from the morning show, again, you can find on our iHeart channel. You should go back and listen to last Thursday and Friday show. We had Joe and oh my Ian God, on that's Thursday. So funny. Joe, Ian, and Bill Burr on Friday. And we went until 1030 on Friday. Yeah, that's wow. right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I didn't even realize that until we got out of here.
0: Yeah. So you can listen to uh, all of that. Uh, thanks again, Joe. Uh, DVE.com is where you can find the link for our iHeart channel. That's going to do it for us. Randy's back tomorrow. Michelle Michaels up next with the electric lunch at noon on DVE. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face.
6: I ain't got him tight,
0: Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me
1: Ronald.
6: Would you not eat my pants, Ronald? Ah! <laughs>